Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Monday. We're coming to you live from our studio here on South College Street. My name is JJ Jackson. On the program with me today, I've got Ryan Lavoy, Tom Peavy, and Smitty Grider, our buddy from over at Hometown Lenders, hanging out with us here uh, for the first little bit on today's program. We've got your birthdays in sports today. Covering the bases will be a little bit later in the show. Best and worst of the weekend, a nightly TV guide, and a whole lot more as we're coming to you live on this Monday. Monday, recapping the weekend that was in the wide world of sports. I spent my weekend in Starkville, Mississippi, on the call for Auburn softball in their three-game series against Mississippi State. Auburn won the series two games to one. Auburn baseball swept South Carolina. The Tigers have now won five consecutive games in uh, the week that they had of non-conference play, those two games, and then the three SEC game series against South Carolina. So good baseball by Butch Thompson and company. Uh, we saw the Talladega race yesterday that we'll discuss a little bit throughout today's program. We are now just four days away from the 2022 NFL Draft. The NBA playoffs continue to move on. We're getting closer to the start of the NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball season continues to move along as well. Tough weekend for your Atlanta Braves as the Marlins win that series two games to one. So several things to discuss on today's program. Tom, I'll start with you. How are you and how was your weekend? I'm great. Uh, weekend was, uh, yeah, weekend was wonderful. A lot of sports going on. I You kind of get your head spinning with as many things that are going on, trying to flip channels to find all the different stuff. Uh, USFL games were on. Major League Baseball, Talladega, like you said, you mentioned all there. There's still pro golf going on, even though I didn't really pay much attention yeah. to that one. But uh, yeah, I mean, overall, uh, overall, great weekend, and uh, looking forward to talking about everything that's been going on in the world of sports. Ryan, how about you, man? How are you? Uh, it was a great weekend. Went back to uh, to Birmingham for the second weekend in a row. And uh, spent some time with a friend celebrating his birthday and then went to Talladega on Sunday uh, and had a blast. It was my first ever NASCAR race and uh, kind of surprising that maybe I haven't been to one by now because I go to a lot of sporting events, but especially ones that I enjoy a lot. And uh, yeah, I had a, a good time and uh, sat kind of at the uh, beginning of the front straight away. But uh, yeah, it was it was a great experience. I enjoyed the racing. Um, uh, you know they you know they do a good job, but they have a couple screens so that if you're not in the upper deck, you can still see the back straightaway because obviously it's not banked, and with all the RVs in the infield and everything, you would not be able to see to the other other straightaway. You can see the corners because of the banking. Really, no matter where you are. 
um, and but uh, was able to use that screen to see the back straightaway and had a great time, like I said, and definitely look forward to going back sometime. But uh, yeah, that was that was a big thing that I yeah. did this weekend. Yeah, big NASCAR fan getting to go to the first race. It's always awesome. Smitty, how are you? I'm good. Yeah, you ever been to a NASCAR race? Man, I'm jealous because uh, that used to be our annual trek was make two trips to talladega okay. in the spring and summer yeah uh i was an infield person i, I was so. about to say you're the infield partner aren't you <laughs> i don't know about that but we uh, uh no comment but uh we would go on friday for qualifying and stay all the way through the race on sunday and uh if you've never been i've never to been go. to a single NASCAR let me race say this about it and you can probably you'll agree with me until you go to Talladega, there's no way I can make you understand how big yeah. that track is. You've got yep. to see it. And the other thing is how fast those cars go. Yeah. You, I can't make you understand that without you seeing it in person. Uh, but it's an awesome event. Uh, hadn't been in years, but uh, when I was younger, we would go to both races. This was back before they moved the uh, the dates. Um, and, and so it was a I – mean, I love Talladega. Right. Um, miss going I've kind of I'm not as big a NASCAR fan as I was I was a big Earnhardt fan and uh, then I, of course I transferred to junior when uh, when Dale Sr. died at Daytona and then you know as he got out as Dale Jr. got out I kind of just faded away and it's uh, you know I miss it it was a lot of fun and I used to really love racing there was an Earnhardt that debuted and or did well in qualifying in the Xfinity race, Jeffrey right? Jeffrey Earnhardt, yeah. okay. the uh, grandson of Dale Earnhardt, son of Carrie Earnhardt. Uh, That's Carrie, Dale Jr.'s brother, half brother, half brother. Yeah. Okay, um, but Dale's Dale's the uh, okay father there. So Carrie's son Jeffrey, who's had trouble in Xfinity, he qualified on the pole though because he's running for Richard Childress, so he had a better car. Um, and then he finished second in the Xfinity race. Okay. okay. So. Well, hey, I might, I might have to. <laughs> yeah, right. what, you, you want me to make you all jealous? Yes. So when I was working for the Opelik Auburn News, one of my jobs during Talladega was to go and cover the race. And uh, the guy from the Dothan Eagle would always go up to the press box. My job was to stay on the infield. I would watch the race from pit road, basically. Uh, I was all in and out of the garage area, pit road area. Anytime there was a wreck, I would go to the infield care center and interview the drivers as they came out of the infield care center or interview the drivers as they uh, came off the track if they had car troubles or whatever. Uh, you want to like you talk about seeing some behind the scenes stuff and oh, wow, athletes? That's really cool. Seeing well, I say athletes. I mean, if you want to call NASCAR drivers athletes, but. Um, seeing them behind the scenes it's kind of like seeing them in the locker room when you're in there when you're in the garage with them you hear them saying stuff that they don't say on tv i, I heard a, i heard a lot of words come out of <laughs> mouths of nascar drivers that uh, some that actually kind of surprised me like guys that i thought were like really uh wholesome you know mom pop drinking milk type things and you know they get out of a car and dropping more gds than you could ever imagine well, it's like <laughs> i had no idea lot. that that guy would have had a mouth like that <laughs> they've cleaned it up a lot now but used to you could have the scanners and you could hear them they yeah. they would be themselves on the scanner yeah but i think nascar this has been several years back you know kind of forced them to clean that up because so many people you know yeah. started having scanners and that kind of thing to listen to the the teams uh communicate which uh you know that's always interesting too and and people that aren't racing fans have a hard time understanding why it's fun to watch cars go in a circle uh but it, once you understand the strategies involved in racing 
you know, the pitch strategies and how they set the cars up different and all that, it makes it really interesting to uh, to watch. Yeah, I, I did. Unfortunately, someone had an extra scanner, so I was able to use it. Uh, unfortunately, the like the headset wasn't working, so I just held the scanner up to the ear, uh, which didn't help much when the cars actually went by. With the other 40 <laughs> seconds of the lap, I could hear it, and it was just the spotter. I'm a, I'm a Chase Elliott fan, so his yeah. his spotter's Eddie DeHunt, and so heard him and Chase communicate with him, but couldn't hear the crew chief because I guess they yeah that and that's a strategy on it because they don't want it, other people to pick up on you know when it's probably really interesting, especially at a at a uh, restrictor plate race like Talladega to listen to the spotters mm-hmm. call that race because they have to relay so much information to the driver. You know, they can't really see as well as we, you know, because of all the safety equipment and everything to see behind them and to the side, the mirrors and all that. So they rely, you know, a lot on the spotters. So one of the things that you mentioned, uh, everything that goes into uh, uh, driving one of those NASCARs, especially at a track like Talladega, I mean, you're door to door, almost 200 miles an hour. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. One of the stories I did was talking to a driver and getting him to walk me through one race lap and everything that you are consciously having to pay attention to who you're listening to what you're looking at and basically walk me through one just one lap of one race lap and so uh, i was able to get with jimmy spencer oh and i uh, bet that was a oh, good yeah. one. i uh, was able to get with jimmy spencer and had this long conversation with him and of course i mentioned you know a lot of people that are novice so they think oh you're just driving around in circles and he he had a few choice words that i had to edit out <laughs> about people that think that it's easy to do that but to hear him walk through a, a race lap of having to listen to the spotter um you know if you're if you're on the high side you're having to look out of your peripheral to the left to that car over there you're still having to like check that guy behind you you've still got your spotter telling you all this you're having to look at your gauges you're having to fill the car uh you know uh, your gauges can tell you one thing like he was telling me your gauges can tell you everything that you need to know but you can feel if that car is not right if it's not responding then you have to understand that well, you also have to know that signals track. And all that stuff you know hand signals but you have to know the track you have to know that you know in turn two the hotline is going to be here or here or here and i need to know where my car is going to perform better and get my car positioned and i mean it was just a wealth of things that just go into one lap and you think about how many laps you run with that and it's constant so people that think that you just sit in a car and drive around in circles uh, you're you're very you're very naive to what goes on in uh jimmy spencer would call you a a dumb you know what if you think that <laughs> yeah. there were some laps where there would be a little bit more radio silent but certainly at the end of the stages and then the last 12 laps of the race what the spotter would tell chase would be he'd tell him how many were in each lane he'd tell him who was a good pusher so he'd say 24 is a good pusher just to be aware of that yeah. and he also would say when someone was laying back so that he could be prepared he's like They're one's about to give you a big you. shot yeah. might go around that sort of thing and so there there's a lot of information being told and each driver is a little different and how often they want that stuff because i switched to the 24 radio another hendrick motorsport driver and and that his spotter i don't know william byron's spotter's name but uh he was giving him so much more than chase was chase in the middle of the race was just kind of riding and they weren't giving him too much when they were single file and all that but i mean they were always talking on that so yeah. it's it's they well, they have different strategies and restrictor plate racing is a whole different animal you know for 
for those guys. I, you know, I was at the race when Earnhardt came from 18th to first in like three laps. Oh wow! Uh, you know that was uh, that was something else. And uh, you know that place when when the Earnhardts were racing that they owned Talladega. Um, you know, Dale won more races there than anybody, I think. It, and even at Daytona, he still has more wins at Daytona Motor Speedway, even though he only won the big race once. But they were so good at restricted plate racing. There's just something about it. And uh, it, it, it's it's that's my favorite kind of racing because they stay bunched up. You know, it's they don't get in those, you know, somebody out to a five-second lead and they, all that kind of thing. So I, those are my favorite races. Well, and those are also my favorite because, yeah, they stay bunched up, and the endings are usually very tense because you see so many of these others where a guy has already outdistanced everybody, and he's just cruising around yeah. and hoping his car doesn't fall apart, and that's all he's got to do. Talladega and Daytona, because they stay bunched up, the ending of those races – a, you can almost guarantee there's going to be a wreck at the yeah. end because they are so many tight packed in jockeying for position. You just don't. Is the wreck going to happen at the front? Is going to happen in the middle? Where something's going to happen, and it's going to be intense at the end of that. They, I I don't think I've ever seen a Talladega race or Daytona where the leader was just so far out in front of everybody that it just, like I said, just kind of cruising around and hoping his car doesn't fall apart or he run out of gas. Well, let's bring it back to today, all right? So let's recap the 2022 race at Talladega yesterday. And, Ryan, I'll let you take it over since you were there, again, seeing your first NASCAR race in person and as someone who's never been before. But, uh, look, so Eric Jones has the lead at the start of the final lap. I don't know if you want to start there or just take us through the end of the race and kind of what happened. Yeah, well, I mean, first and foremost, what was that? normal is there was a wreck on, on in the trioval coming to start finish line however they made it through the entire final stage the 68 laps without a caution which is incredibly rare however everyone did such a great job on pit road during the green flag pit stop that they all were still bunched because sometimes green flag pitting at those at, at Talladega and Daytona if you miss it by a second you're out of the draft you fade and you fade and yeah. you'll eventually get lapped so but the entire 22 23 cars that were left stayed together and they pitted on three separate laps and all came out around each other and all stayed in one pack. So that was – I was glad that happened because I didn't want like eight, a seven or eight card pack to be the only ones, you know, with the chance to win at the end uh, if it had gone green, which it did. And, yeah, Jones led the final lap. These guys at Talladega usually wait till the front straightaway of the final lap because it's so long. The start-finish line is past the trioval down way near towards turn one whereas in at daytona it's in the trial so you have a full straightaway essentially at talladega to get something done so larson was behind eric jones and waited to pull out and then the outside lane came on strong as well out of turn four into the front stretch and jones went to block high and larson they made some contact and they shot up the racetrack and chastain kind of got below him with more momentum because he didn't have to he was he had the momentum from the from the top line and i think i think bubba wallace and kurt bush wrecked coming to the start finish but um it was pretty 
calm considering there were some wrecks early in the race that took out three, four cars at a time. No true big one. No, Usually there's a 10, 12, 14 car accident, and there was not that, which was fine because I don't want that unless it's the very end because you, it's not as exciting if there's only eight to ten you know, non-junked up cars at the end because then you don't have the same momentum and same right. run. So you had that 20 car pack together making big runs on the last lap. Um, and yeah, Chastain just kind of squirted through and uh, Chase, our guy, finished seventh. He still leads the points. But um, yeah, it was, it was very entertaining. And what they've done with stage racing now, to get them to get a little racy earlier yeah. because so so oftentimes you guys know you'd get single file after the first 15 20 laps and you might ride like that for a long time they would do that but, a lot but when there's stages there's 10 points available 10 through one points available t- twice before you get to the finish of the race and a playoff point and so every single time they got racy and they didn't even finish stage one under green because there was a wreck because they were getting getting going and so i think that has actually grown on me a lot and and helped helps the sport not have an hour and a half time period where it's just single file at a track. Yeah, and they, they, they work on those packages too. Sometimes they'll have the, the package where they, they never get single file. They stay bunched up. Those are my favorite ones. The drivers hate them, but the fans yeah, love it. Yeah, the drivers do not. They, Joey Logano, got he was in one of those wrecks yeah. yesterday, and on TV he said, I, I just don't. I guess uh, some people like this place, but I sure don't. Yeah, and, uh, there's several of yeah, them that yeah. that'll make that comment, and uh, you know. But like I said, fans love restricted plate racing mm-hmm. because the cars stay together. And, you know, it's kind of like Bristol. I like Bristol. Really, any short track because they they pretty much stay bunched up on those too. Is I've, Talladega the only race that you've been to? That's in the only one I've been to in person. Okay, but I followed it religiously Forever, for yeah, you know for, sure. for a long time. I've been three. I've been to three Bristol races. Okay. I've never. I've never been to the Bristol night race, but I've been to three of the the Food spring five hundred. Yeah, the Food yeah. City five hundred. And, and I'll tell you, in that that place, it, what's cool about that one? It, you know, we talked about how big Talladega is, and you don't understand how big it is until you're there, and you realize that if you're in the grandstands, the cars out on the back stretch, you can barely see them i mean they they're tiny, yeah. teeny tiny little things moving around and at bristol you're basically in a huge football stadium watching a race so i mean you see every single thing and i mean they're running around the circles right in front of you I mean, you got to remember they they actually had a football game in that stadium right. tennessee versus virginia tech so it is a ginormous two hundred thousand seat coliseum with a racetrack running around it that was yeah. fun that, when, that was when we fun. would go to talladega we would be in the trioval, right where the turn four goes into the trioval, because that's where a lot of wrecks happen. Yep. So uh, we could see the cars entering turn one all the way through one and two. They disappear on the back stretch because it's lower than yeah. the rest of the track, and then we see them coming into three and watch them all the way through three and four and through the trioval. That's exactly how it was for me. Yep. Let's take one quick timeout. We'll talk more about this and other things after this on Sports Call Tiger ninety five point nine FM. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. This is Jake Crane, host of the J-Boy Show, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Thank you. 
Welcome back into the program. You're listening to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson, Ryan LaVoy, and Smitty Greider, our friend from over at Hometown Lenders, talking a little bit about the race yesterday at Talladega. We'll have more uh, topics to get into as the show continues, but uh, we were having a good conversation. I want to continue a little bit. Okay, so I've never been to an NASCAR race, as I've said before. Ryan went for the first time yesterday. Tom and Smitty have been to quite a few let me ask you this, Smitty. Why the infield as opposed to the grandstands? Like, break that down to people who've never been before, myself included. Uh, well, there's a lot more freedom in the infield. And, you know, we spent the night. Uh-huh. You know, we took a camper and, um, you know, enjoy the nightlife while you're there. Uh, the backstretch at Talladega is uh, world famous. Um, it's it's almost like you're in a different uh, planet when you go back yeah. there. You see a lot of different kind of people and uh <laughs> doing a lot of different kind of things uh it's really interesting actually and because uh, there's there's rvs homemade buses turned into rvs you name it lined up along this paved area along the back stretch and there's just hundreds if not thousands of people at night it's almost like being on on uh in uh, new orleans it's almost like that kind of atmosphere uh-huh. mardi gras down there uh, and it's, I mean, it's it's a lot of fun, you know. It's, uh, I, you know, it was, and and you get on top of an RV, and you know, you can see, you know, as well. You can't see probably is as well as the Is that the race perspective to have is to get on top of yeah, an RV? Yeah, and you try to, you know, now back then it wasn't organized. Now you have to reserve a specific parking spot. Back then it was when they opened the gate, it was get to your spot where you want to be and set up. <laughs> and I loved it, you know, because we would, you know, we would get there as early as we could, so we could we wanted to be as close to the fence as we could get. Um, so we could see. I had a buddy that would <laughs> – he would take his pickup truck, and he had built this scaffold thing that he could put on the back of it for the race. And it that thing was <laughs> – it was you'd see all kind of stuff. They've kind of cleaned some of that up now and all that. But it, it's a – it's an interesting place in the evening time, I promise you. I, I've been on the infield a few times, too. Not in a working capacity, but in a fan capacity. And, uh, yeah, there's a – quite a bit of things that go on out there well and, and my friends the guys that i started going with that's just what they did yeah so i did yeah. what they did i went with them you know i saw a, a makeshift mud pit somebody just like made a mud pit uh, you'll see and, all kind of stuff yeah <laughs> it's not for the faint of heart no, or the faint of not. eyes no jj would not know what to do with himself yeah, like, i've got some pictures we took <laughs> from back then of some things that you know it's pretty pretty interesting to pull those out from time to time and look at them Okay, so you were in the grandstands. Yep. Where would you want to experience it next then? Um, so I was I, – before going to the infield, I would just want to be more further further down the front straightaway in the upper grandstand because I feel like you can see the other side of the track. Would that be correct from the upper grandstand? Yeah, probably so. Uh, I've, I've never been in the grandstand, gotcha. so I don't know. Uh, <laughs> You've only been in infield, <laughs> That's guys. That's it. So, but we, but we sat, you know, pretty close to turn four. I mean, it was before the trial. It's basically as guys are getting off the track to go to pit road. If uh, you yeah. can imagine that, so we, I, we could not see the start finish line. So I'd like to be in the middle of the trial where you can see the start finish yeah. line, and then hope maybe see over on the other side of the track too. Uh, and then, and because, like I said, I, you know, maybe I'm not as big into the uh, 
into the partying aspect of it or the uh, pre-race post-race but you know like like you you guys know that i'm big into the sport and i just enjoyed the pure racing of it and getting to listen to the team talk you know that was just a new experience where we were you could barely see the start finish line you had to rely on the the, because they they broadcast or or over the pa you hear the radio broadcast back then it was eli gold um I think this was after Jim Fife used to do some of the radio yeah. up there too, um, but you, that's what you hear, you know. And you see the leaderboard; they've got the the car numbers posted on the on the board up there, the top five, I believe. And that's the only way you would know who won the race at the end. But when usually the guy leading coming out of turn four going into the trial is not the guy that's going to be leading at the end, yeah. especially at Talladega. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one triple eight nine tiger 9 if you would like to call in and be a part of our program. As we discussed, this time of year, it's just hard to keep up with all the different sporting events that are taking place. As college athletics come to a close, we're going into the final week of classes at Auburn University before they go into wow. the exam period and only three or four weeks left for the kids in, in high school and junior high and on downward from there. So uh, we're getting close to uh, outright summertime. It's uh, it's that time of year. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you, you're kind of transitioning a little bit into the Auburn baseball. I mean, you look at what they have. They're down to their last couple of series. They're, yep. they're at number one Tennessee this upcoming weekend. Uh, and then after that, there's – They got one series at home. They've uh, Two. They've got uh, Alabama and Arkansas at home and then end at Kentucky. So, I mean – Four series total. So, four yeah. series total. So, we're, we're right here towards yeah. the end of that. And, and two Auburn, series and, total left for softball, four series right. total left for baseball. Oh, and then you get into the postseason. And Auburn has – Auburn baseball has surprised a lot of people and they, they have put themselves in prime position uh, – for for good national yeah. uh, postseason stuff, if they can keep it, the, the, obviously you don't want to fall off. This weekend is going to be a tough. Major Ten- test this week. Major test this weekend on the road. Number one Tennessee, a team that has lost what one conference? Seventeen game? and one, thirty-seven and three overall. Yeah. Um, Best they, start in baseball can, history. Can Four be, games into it, it's crazy. Be, best, start best start in college baseball it, for a history. Power Five school. Yep. No. 37 and 3, 17 and 1 in the SEC. Nobody's done better than uh, that. They are dominant. Wow. I did not realize. I knew they were dominant. I didn't realize that was the best start in baseball history. Isn't um, that wild? That is wild. But you know the crazy thing is they you know they were they were about to lose to Florida. They were they were down 4 to 1 with two outs and came back and tied it and then won it in extra. One of their uh, one of their best guys was from Hazel Green. He was a senior at Hazel Green the year I was there, Blake Beck. Not Blake Beck. Jordan Beck, um, he was the he's one of their top guys uh-huh. up there, and I begged him to play football. He would have been an all state <laughs> quarterback. Uh, and who, you know, I'll tell you who else was there that year uh, is the kid that went to Alabama from there to play basketball and is now in the NBA. Uh, gosh, I can't even call his name now. Just um, declared to go to the NBA, or no? Let me tell you, no, he's in the. Let me tell you, he did. He for he foregoed his senior year in high school. To go to Alabama to play at basketball. He graduated in like July, so he could go play basketball at Alabama. Um, and I'm trying to think who that would be. Yeah. Oh man. He he was. How, a, how long ago was he at Bama? Two years, three years, maybe. It would be three years now. Colin Sexton. No. Um. Oh wow. 
Josh Primo's Canadian, isn't he? Yeah. Man, I'm I'm so mad. Not I can't it's not Herb Jones. He he would have been the best wide receiver in Alabama. We could have had a heck of a heck of an offense if that kid had played uh had a played football. I don't know who it would be. Yeah, I'm trying to hold on. Colin You'll Sexton's know his from name the Atlanta area. He I remember him playing with Jared Harper growing up, which was mm-hmm. always fun. That you've got the Auburn and Alabama connection. Not there. John Petty. No. Um, <coughs> Kyra Lewis Jr. That's it. Kyra Lewis. Okay. There we go. Kyra Lewis. There we go. Yeah, he great was young. He was super yeah. young. He was that, a great that, yeah. kid too, man. It, I, they say, and, and he played middle school football. I think he played through the ninth grade, and they said he was really, really good football player. But he made the right decision. Where I is mean. Hazel Green? About five miles from Tennessee, just north of Huntsville. <laughs> okay, okay. Way up that way. Way then. up there. <laughs> way, 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 way up there. I, I, there I've, I've thought of that name because I watched the Pelicans game last night, and uh-huh. he sat beside Zion okay. uh, a little he's bit. He's injured. Yeah. Well, I, I, don't think, I don't know if he's injured, if he's inactive, or – I think he got hurt. I want to say he's been injured mm-hmm. this year, but – yeah, he's a he was a great kid and a heck of a basketball player, and I I really thought he should have stayed for his senior year because he was he's not a really big kid. He's you know he's six two or three maybe, but he's not you know he's got a small frame, and I thought you know he needed another year to to mature. But he went up there and started as a true freshman and had a great career. I, I don't know if he stayed one or two years, but uh, he didn't stay long. Yeah. And you know, got drafted. So now playing in the league. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Three three four eight eight seven thirty four zero one or toll free at one triple eight nine tag nine. Speaking of which, uh, yesterday at eleven fifty nine p.m. was the deadline for the NBA draft early entrance to declare that they were going to forego their eligibility. And uh, there's still the opportunity for those players to come back if they don't sign uh, with agents. You can sign with certain agents and still come back. It's just gotten so crazy. Well, how does that work with the NIL deal? It's just I don't understand. You know, you've got to have an agent to work your NIL stuff. Right, right. Uh, But with that deadline coming and going, it's just – Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler for the Auburn Tigers that declared to leave early. I don't know that anybody was necessarily worried about anybody else making that decision, but it was those guys, and then it was J.D. Davison at Alabama who also decided to declare early for the NBA draft. So uh, the draft lottery will be on May 17th, and then we'll see the draft at the end of June. When is the NFL draft? It's Thursday. It's this week. Yep. Okay, wow, that's awesome. That'll is that an event you like to watch? I do. I like to, especially the first round. Right. Uh, it gets a little tedious. But it does. I like the first that's round because that's when you it. get, you know, you're going to get some surprises and, you know, a lot of wheeling and dealing goes on, and it's a big, big show and all that. So and I nowadays, enjoy watching in, the first in round. In 2022, with the way, um, you know, the players are and, and front offices have gotten to be, you can go into a draft, and at the end of the first round of the draft, it's no player that was picked. That's the big storyline. It's all of a sudden a all-NFL, all-pro type player was traded during the draft or something like that. You know, all these big storylines. I know Debo Samuel requested a trade over the weekend from San Francisco, and so uh, there are all these storylines. Baker Mayfield, his future in in Cleveland's up for grabs. I don't know why they waste their time doing those mock drafts, and everybody's (laughs) got their board, the Mel Kuyper's big board and all that. It never goes the way they expect it to go. Ever, ever, ever. Not even close really 
Well, you, you always have the New York Jets picking. So, I mean, they're <laughs> one of the most notorious teams for just going out there and just like, where the hell did that guy just come from? But, yeah, notorious team for just blowing up anybody's draft boards, New York Jets. First round of the NFL draft, what are you looking forward to seeing? Well, so I'll I read this tweet from Greg Allman, who's been a friend of the program, um, talking about the Bucks because they picked 27th. Uh, and he's speaking in Eastern time. When might the Bucks make their first-round pick Thursday night? Last year, the number 27 pick came in at 11.32 p.m. Eastern. Wow. So 10.32. So, tw- so think about that. The first round takes roughly four hours because it starts at 7. If pick 27 is coming at 10.30, taking four, four and a half hours. Well, so they get, you, what, like 15 minutes in the first round? I, so I think it's 10, but they never announce until, like, they let the clock go all the way down like a minute, 50 seconds, and it's like, yeah. pick is in for three or four minutes, and then Goodell trots out yeah. there to a chorus of booze and announces right. uh, someone's <laughs> pick. But uh, It does take a long yeah. time. So it's like, if you're, you want to be picking at the end of the night, that means you had a good season last year, but also means you you need dinner you need dinner <laughs> and a show before you pick. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm really interested this year to see the trades because the you know I don't think the quarterback draft is not deep. It's not it's not a great quarterback draft, so there are going to be some people ready to trade back because there's not a quarterback that anybody wants to take, and but there's a couple of teams that need to take a quarterback that need to trade up. So, I mean, I think it's going to be interesting this year the the trades that go on. Yeah, it feels like the draft buzz gets. A little bit uh, weighted down when there's not those marquee quarterbacks, you know, like everybody just salivates over quarterbacks. And I understand why, because they can change the franchise easier than any other position can. But you know, like I feel like there's not as much tension when you know that a quarterback is not necessarily yeah. the next Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, that kind of prospect. Uh, and to your point, it's like. I, it's going to be either Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett, but there's still a whole faction of people that think Malik Willis just can't throw, you know. And, and there's guys that I mean, really there's not a surefire bet of any of the quarterbacks I wouldn't think right. in the draft. And so that gets a little less sexy when you start talking about more linemen, more defensive players that are going to be going in the first round as opposed to wide receivers and quarterbacks. Yeah, and I I saw the other day where somebody was saying that Mac Jones would be the number one pick in this draft. Quarterback wise, I, I would, yeah, and, I'd agree. Uh, with that. So uh, you know, a team doesn't want to. Sp- these the other statement they made was that the quarterbacks in this draft, most of them don't want a first round pick. Like in a general, in a normal quarterback sure. year, yeah, they wouldn't want a first round pick. So there's some more hesitancy to draft one of these guys. Well, how do you feel about running backs getting drafted high? Because you know there was this this was period of time where running backs would go top five, top ten. I think of Trent Richardson who busted. Uh, Auburn got Cadillac Williams, Ronnie Brown went up high. There was a there was a decade stretch where running backs were definitely going top five, top ten. But now it feels like. No running backs really go top yeah. half of the first round. Really, even a lot of years, not to the late first to the second round until they get picked. I mean, where do you think the right level well, is? I mean, obviously those back? guys know what they're doing. They make a lot of money to make those decisions. But when you look at the way the game is played now, um, unless you have a, a running back with the skills of a Le'Veon Bell, uh, Najee Harris, you know, had good receiving skills. They've, you you can't waste that kind of money and investment in a guy that's not a three-down back. And so many of them coming out of college are not ready to be three-down backs. 
And so, so they just – the inv- yeah. and, and you, how many running backs right now are on teams that are performing at a high level that you never heard of in college? You know, you know good, what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, I think the thought is that there are, you know, I don't want to say it dime a dozen, but, you know, a good running back is easier to find later in the draft than, you know, you teams, offensive and defensive linemen are a premium. Uh, obviously, defensive backs are, and wide receivers are a premium in this league and the way they the rules are and the way they play the game. So, you know, I just think the investment is not – you know, unless unless they're a special player right. like a Najee Harris. Well, see, and I, I was thinking like Derrick Henry right now with the Titans. You don't really you don't really see a Derrick Henry type running back I, that I can think of off the top of my head anywhere else in the NFL right now. Because Derrick, Derrick Henry feels like one of those old school running backs, big bodied, uh, three down type back, a guy that you can just you can feed the ball to and he's going to give you yardage. He he's not the fast sleek. You know, a guy that's going to catch a bunch of passes and do all that, you know, fancy stuff. He's just a hard charging running back, kind of old school style. And I think that's, you know, like you're talking about a three down back. I I can't think of anybody that in the league that fits that mold of Derrick Henry, at least no. just off well, the top of my head. The biggest adjustment college running backs have to make is in the protection schemes. And, you know, it's that's that's the hardest thing. So them being able to play on third downs and that that is difficult. And yeah. so it takes a special player to be able to come into a, you know, an NFL franchise and do that. Well, and you know, you talk about Derrick Henry. Would you like to guess where he got picked as a Heisman Trophy winner coming out of Alabama, knowing how good he is now? Would you like to know where he got picked? Where's that? 45th, second round. Second round? <laughs> Middle of second round. <laughs> and well, and you know what? The the lifespan on those guys isn't right. long. It's short. insane. Yeah. It's, it's the Ezekiel Elliott take, with the Cowboys. He's had he's up and down fading, years with yeah. injuries. Yeah, he's, Saquon Barkley with the New York Giants up and down. He it was breaks my pick. heart with Christian McCaffrey and the Carolina Panthers. Uh, He, Marshall Falk, and Roger Craig are the only players ever to have 1,000-yard receiving seasons and 1,000-yard rushing seasons in the same year at that running back spot. And after he accomplished that, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. So it's almost like, you know what, maybe that's not as cool that he was that productive and he was on the field for every single snap. Maybe you do need to try and limit some of the snaps that your running backs are out there on the field for. And that being the case, that means you you have to put that much money into that position. Right. You know, or let's one go, player at that position. Let's go to the phone lines for the first time today. 334 887 3401 or toll free at 1 Trey from Auburn has called into our show today. Hey, Trey, how's it going? Hey, guys, how you doing? Talking about the NFL draft, man, it's going to be a blast. Uh, even in Vegas, can you imagine? I know when I was out there a couple weeks ago, they were talking about it and getting ready for it, and it was going to be, it, it sounded like it was going to be a party, even though Vegas is already a party. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I can't imagine that being the site for it. It's going to be fun. Yeah. I uh, got a question about softball. And I've, the last two years watching Matty Penta, I'm sorry breaking up your NFL thing real quick, but I okay. just had a question about Maddie and the fact of as bad as she flinches every time she pitches, I've never heard anybody mention, was there a previous incident? Does anybody know about that? that the reason why she flinches as bad as she does every time she throws the ball? 
No, I mean, I, I don't know of a specific instance, and obviously I do such a, a large number of the play-by-play games and, and know the team quite well. I know that for all the pitchers that we've seen at Auburn and then really across the SEC, like the face masks that you're wearing in the circle are always a given at this point, and really it all, all it takes is, is one time a ball probably coming right back at you as hard as they're hitting it off uh, that you start to have a body reaction like that. Right, yeah, I've just never seen anybody flinch as hard as she does, sure. and and not have some sort of instant incident that happened previously. Usually, that's usually what brings that to that. But uh, I was just wondering. I heard you were on the show, so I wanted to yeah, you knew anything. good to hear from you, Trey. All right. Thanks, guys. Y'all All right. That's uh, Trey from Auburn joining us there on the program. I'll tell you what. I couldn't imagine being a slow pitch. Not a slow pitch. I am a slow pitch softball uh, guy. And, uh, we uh, unfortunately can't imagine <laughs> that. It results in a lot of hard hit guys, fly balls. You guys experienced that this season. I can imagine being a, a college softball pitcher knowing just how hard that ball is coming right back at. I mean, no thank you. No oh, yeah. way. No thank you. Listen, I – I played softball back in the days of 47 core ball and DeMarini bats, and you didn't want to play third base then. Right. And slow pitch. So right. You didn't really – I mean, you you could get bad hops in the outfield. They'd come so hard. You know, when they first started that and there was no – I mean, the ball was a lot harder. And, man, I couldn't imagine being that close – in, in women's softball fast pitch and getting and, one back at you. And Penta is so good. I mean, just a sophomore. She's already got 220 strikeouts on the year and has just been a workhorse. She's got 23 wins on the season, which leads the SEC. And there is a little bit of a flinch that comes with it. But I tell you what, you don't notice it. In the, it's one thing if that carries over into your action of, of pitching the softball, like if that prevents yeah. you from all of a sudden locating on certain pitches and that sort of thing. And that has never been the case I think, with I think Maddie Penta. The, I think the only thing, and I haven't paid attention to that. I have not noticed it. I guess I pay attention more and I might see it. But uh, I, I honestly, I think the – only thing that that would affect is if one is hit back at her if she has already reacted as if it's hit back at her she may not be able to react if one is hit at her if that makes any sense right um it's like or, a double clutch and right yeah um or or to make a play if she's if she's flinching and there's a, a you know like one of those little slow hit almost like a bunt back to her is that going to slow her down to be able to respond and make the play on the ball but i don't i haven't looked at it and uh i I'm kind of curious now. I'll have to I'm gonna go back and watch some videos and just yeah. see how bad this flinch is and if it's something that looks like it could affect her play. They play Wednesday at uh, Alabama State. You can listen to the game here on Tiger 95.9 FM and then a huge series coming up this weekend at Jane B. Moorefield uh, taking on Georgia for the Auburn softball team. Auburn baseball is at Tennessee this upcoming weekend. All right, as the hour comes to a close against Mitty Grider hanging out with us here from Hometown Lenders, I want to ask you this because we talk about quarterbacks and storylines. We talked about this at the end of last week and at the start of April. Every month smitty we have monthly predictions here on this show meaning the last two days of a month you have to answer 10 to 15 questions about the next month way in advance not knowing 
injuries can happen, just random outcomes or anything like that. So, before the month even started, we were asked who's going to be the first quarterback selected in the 2022 NFL Draft before some of the pro days were done, before all the combine specifics were there and that sort of thing. You've got a little bit of an advantage. We're four days out. Uh, If you've been following it closely, maybe you'd be in a better position to answer this, but who do you think is going to be that first quarterback taken? I think it's going to be Pickett. Okay. I think he'll be the first one taken. What do you like about him? I mean, I just think he's the the more ready, NFL-ready guy. I mean, I just think that's – just listening to what uh, – the, how the scouts have talked about him when you listen to talk shows and that kind of thing. I, I just – I mean, I don't think any of them are going to be uh, franchise-type guys. I, I don't. I think, you know, there's a couple that probably have a chance to be quality starting quarterbacks in the NFL that, you know, and have a good career, but I don't see – now, but but again, you know, how often are they wrong? You know, who thought Tom Brady was going to be Tom Brady? So, you know, you just don't know. Um, I don't know enough about the kid as far as his personality, his work ethic, those kind of things. I'm just judging it off watching him play a few times uh, and, and listening to other people talk about him as far as his skill level. Um, so, you know, I, I think, you know, the, it just remains to be seen. You never know. Here's, he could be the guy. Here, I think it's going to be Pickett as well. Here, and that's who I said a month ago. Malik Willis also got a couple of votes. Matt Corral's had some buzz. Desmond Ritter has had some buzz. Going into this past season, Sam Howell at North Carolina had the most buzz of those guys. The the four one one the rundown that I've got of Kenny Pickett is one the two gloves. Uh, Daddy Boyer's playing quarterback. You just don't see that as frequently across the league. Everyone is fascinated by his hand size. And when we were there at the senior ball, that's all people wanted to ever talk about was Kenny Pickett's hand size. And then the fake slide that he had in the ACC championship game where he changed the rules. That play was still just unbelievable when that (laughs) happened at the time. I said it when it happened. That's not right. Oh yeah, you, you, that's you can't what, do that. I didn't have that as quick of a reaction to it in that regard. My first reaction was, "Oh my gosh, he really just pulled that off." I, I like just the think, thought to do that. Yeah, but you're saying right away, you're like, "That's not right." Yeah, that's like a guy acting like he's going to run out of bounds, so you'll let up, and then and then he takes off down <laughs> yeah. the sideline. Same kind of thing, man. I mean, come on. Yeah. You know, if it'd been hard for me as a defensive player the next time he did it, not trying to take his head off. Right. You know, I'd, I'd get up and say, I didn't know. Yeah, you, know? Yeah. you faked us out last time. Yeah. It was to say you weren't hey, going to do it Mr. again. Ref, I thought he was going to fake us yeah. again, you know. So. Well, and, and then, you know, that gets into this whole other ball game on the targeting rules and things like that, which I think have got to drastically be changed. But, yeah, I agree. <laughs> if, you, if, if you're going to fake slide that next time, you're going to get hit whether you're sliding or not. And, you know, it's, it might cost yeah, me – it might get me talking out of a game but i'm not gonna take that right, chance we got again. a rough in the punter one time they had a bad snap or something and the guy was running to his right and he went to kick it and my guy killed him after he kicked it and my argument was well, what do you want me to tell my kid he's running with the football right we don't know if he i mean you know he he i gotta tell this well you gotta determine is he about to kick it or not if he's about to kick it letting well you know it's not a you know that's a that's a big disadvantage for the defender and, and you know well he's still got protection so uh, anyway same kind of thing yeah well Smitty we certainly appreciate hey, you stopping by it, another week with us tell me what's going on at hometown lenders well hey the rates are holding steady right now they haven't gone up uh, in the last few weeks so uh, it's not too late man come see us uh, we're at nineteen forty three South College. Uh, 
get your pre-approval and go shopping man uh, it, uh, a pre-approval takes about 30 minutes uh, to get that done and you're ready to go and make an offer on a house and, and with confidence that that uh, you're going to be able to get the loan uh, you can call us at 334-908-3024 or 334-332-1287 that's my cell number uh, we can answer any questions for you uh, and like I said it's not too late the mortgage rates are still historically low they're maybe not where they were a few months ago but uh it's still low enough and uh, there's a lot of homes being sold in the auburn opelika lee county area and let me personally attest to folks out there i texted smitty today and within seconds i mean i don't know how quickly i don't know how it was possible for someone to get back to me as quickly as he did but we answer uh, calls was really impressed with how quickly he got back last thing last week of school for auburn university like i said starting to get to the end of the school for residents here in lee county how does that factor into what's going on in terms of time of year and that sort of thing well obviously you know you people most people want to move uh after the school year's completed and before the next school year starts, right? So know that uh, uh you know, it take typically takes somewhere around thirty days to get a get a loan to to completion. Uh, a lot of times, if if people get their uh, documents in on time and that kind of thing, we can do it in much shorter time. Uh, our we have the hometown promise where we if we don't close your loan in thirty days and you don't play it pay a dime and. Lender fees, but uh, you know, typically it's going to take that long once you have a sales contract. So you know, you need to keep that in mind if you're wanting to get moved before the school year starts for next year. Your children going to be in a different school zone, so uh, you know, don't wait. And and on top of that, the rates will be going up by then as well. So now's the time, Smitty. We appreciate seeing you. We'll see you next week. Okay. All right. Thanks, guys. Enjoyed it. Smitty Grider joining us here on the program. Birthdays and sports. Uh, A phone call from retired Wardam Steve. We've got covering the base. We've got best and worst of the weekend. The nightly TV guy. I mean, it's as busy of a Monday as it can get. Thanks for listening to the first hour. Alongside Smitty Grider, Ryan LaVoy, and Tom Peavy, I'm JJ Jackson. One hour in the books, and we're rolling. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call.
second hour of Sports Call starting right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson, Ryan LaVoy, and Tom Peavy here with you for just a little bit. We've got another guest joining us here in a few moments as we'll have Eric McDade State Farm stopping by covering the bases with Eric McDade, one of our favorite segments that we do here on the show. Appreciate Smitty Grider for being a part of the program as we discussed a couple of different things that happened over the weekend, including the race at Talladega. NASCAR. NASCAR. We've got uh, we've got the NFL draft coming up on Thursday. Let me do this real quick. We talked a little bit about Auburn. Uh, the Braves lost two out of three against the Miami Marlins. Jorge Soler comes back and gets his World Series ring. Lost that night. The Braves lost or won game one of the series, but then lost the final two. Uh, what is the uh, what is the pulse right now of the Atlanta Braves? Uh, waiting on Ronald Acuna Jr. Yeah. <laughs> hey, here, so here's the thing, and I've had to. Uh, I, I don't know. It, it does feel a little bit different this year for some reason. I guess maybe because you lost Freddie Freeman, you lost Solaire, you lost Jock Peterson. Uh, so things do feel a little bit different. But I try to tell people, it, don't jump off the bandwagon yet. Don't don't jump off the cliff. Whatever. You have to remember the Atlanta Braves last year did not have a winning record until after the All-Star break. They were one of three teams left in Major League Baseball that had not had a winning record all season long. They started last year by getting swept uh, four-game series against the Phillies. So they started 0-4. They, they never could get over 500 until after the All-Star break and ended up winning the World Series. They were really struggling along, and the uh, trade deadline was very beneficial to them last year. You got Jock Peterson. You got Solaire. Uh, Rosario, didn't he come in uh, trade deadline? So a lot of these guys that were big pieces in the postseason came in on, came in on the trade deadline. So, yeah, while the Braves are not really looking very good right now, they also didn't look very good last year at this time of the season, and people were in full panic mode. So, ride it out, and and, and let's see. I, I will say, though, it does, like I said, it kind of feels different. Um, I mean, the same struggles are there as last year, but I don't know. For some reason, it just feels different, and I think it's because you had – you saw a team win the World Series, but then you lost so many pieces of that puzzle, and you're like, man, are you really going to be able to bounce back after you lose that many quality players? Yeah, I know you're getting Acuna back, and that's going to be big, but it just it feels like, oh, man, it just, it just feels like that uh, that star power, I guess, is not there, especially without Acuna. I mean, you've got plenty of star power, but it just eh. – and then, it, it, man, it just – it, it just it absolutely sucks when you see Freddie Freeman doing well, uh, and especially that series against the Braves, uh, the Dodgers against the Braves, and Freeman's hitting home runs against the Braves, and you're like, well, great. <laughs> when you hear this music, Ryan, and knowing where we're at right now in 2022, yeah, Florida the Braves State. music, hey, Florida right. State. What, what do you oh, think? this is not Florida State. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tell yeah. me where were you at? Uh, I don't know. Uh, it doesn't help the mood. I don't think that much. Um, but I'm just saying, right music, now, yeah. music aside, where yeah. are you at with the Atlanta? Oh, uh, I thought you said, where are you at with the music? No. I was like, well, I mean, it doesn't really help. There's still seven ten. Um, <laughs> would you like to guess Eddie Rosario's batting average? Probably I know not, it took him 20 plate appearances good. to get his first hit. I'm going to guess 195. Well, I was actually going to go lower than that. Well, one. Well, 170, so one of the 170s. Neither one of you are in close. You both missed by a, by a hundred points. 
Uh, it is 068. Oh, oh my <laughs> gosh. Yeah, it's not great. He's not uh, even in the he's ones. Three, uh, four, three of 44. Um, oh, man. So, yeah, it, it look. I don't think you should judge a baseball team until about 40, 50 games in. Do those slumps happen in the middle yeah. of the season? But it, Do a is, three yeah, of 44? That's a bit drastic, but everyone has like a 150 stretch for 10, right. 15 games. Okay. Everybody okay. has that. Now, you know, three of 44 stretch, that's not, maybe a third of the league, quarter of the league goes for something like that. But also, to ha- it, what, what's unfortunate about this is, is every, pretty much every team that goes to the playoffs will have a 17-game stretch that, that they go right. 7-10. Like I, maybe the Dodgers will be exempt from a 7-10 stretch, but just about everyone else will go 7-10 at some point. And, and this team's not going to be able to be fairly judged until Acuna comes back. He's a big part of what they do. Unfortunately, it does suck to have someone like Rosario hitting that low. It sucks to have Duvall hitting below 200. Knowing that Jock Peterson's hitting like 360 right now with San Francisco yeah. and has hit four or five home runs. Again, incredibly early and these stats will even out and, and it's very possible that at the end of the year you'll say, oh yeah, I'm glad we have Rosario instead of Peterson or, or that sort of thing. But just right now, you know, it's not going great from that standpoint. Olsen's been really good. Yeah. Uh, you know, someone that's not been good is Dansby Swanson as well. Striking out way um, too much. Hit, he's hitting the 100s. And that's somebody that I'm a little less optimistic about. I think Braves fans have overrated him for a long time. He's still a career 247 hitter at the end of the end of the day and uh, only has hit more than 20 home runs one time. So I think people – that's not as surefire to turn around drastically as, as someone like Rosario. But, um, you know, I, I think, again, until you get about a third of the way, about 50 games in the season, you can't accurately judge a team. And also, by the way, not only did they start like this last year, it's pretty common for the World Series hangover to happen as well. So, you know, you got to let Acuna come back and see how he factors in and see as the weather warms up in May and June, team warm up, hopefully. Uh, The other thing with the Braves in it's – I, 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 same thing kind of with last year. There's been some games where the hitting is there and then the pitching just lets them down. Um, there's some where the bullpen just lets them uh, against the Marlins uh, the other night. Uh, was it Strider? Uh, Strider comes in. Dude's throwing like 102 miles an hour, but the dude could not find the strike zone. And Marlins end up having a big inning out of it because they ended up loading the bases with no outs. But, you know, Strider, he, he's a hard-throwing dude, but he just couldn't find the strike zone. And then ultimately you – put one over you know the plate and they smack one score three runs off of it um so yeah the, it, it, there's been a lot of inconsistencies there but then some of the consistencies have been bad consistency i i, I don't know that there has been you said also yeah olsen's been doing good he hasn't just been has had a big power number right he's he hitting a high sure, average high average but not the power numbers uh riley also riley's been doing fairly well but uh, but um, yeah, Dansby Dansby just striking out way too much, way too many strikeouts. And the other thing that bothers me with that, and, and I don't know what Christian Pache is going to do with the A's, but I mean that was one of your top prospects, and they were looking at him at shortstop. I mean he he was that young up and coming, possibly future Ronald. Pache is an outfielder. I thought he was an infielder. Never played infielder. shortstop. No, no, no. Yeah. Who am I think? There's an infielder. Oh, who? Talking about the catcher Langliers that they traded? No, no, no. I know Langliers. No, there was another infielder. Oh, my gosh. I swear I thought there were. 
I don't know who you're thinking of. I, right I now, their top one is Shoemaker. He's in Triple Eight. Elvis Andrews a no, decade ago was a no, stop the Braves had. There was there was another top prospect that I swear was an infielder. They were looking at bounce. They bounced between third and they possibly could play him at short. I can't think of who. I I swear I thought that was Christian Pache. Regardless, they made a big trade to get Matt Olson and yeah. Um, Anyway, they you know I, I thought there was a possibility there on the infield, and I guess I was mistaken with that. But I thought there was a big uh, possibility on the infield, but they decided not to go that route and keep Dansby. But now he's struggling, and, and you didn't secure that uh, infield spot. And I, man, that's going to bother me now that I can't think of who I'm thinking of this in my head. Day off for the Braves, oh. three at home with the Cubs, three on the road with the Texas Rangers, and then four on the road with the New York Mets. Let's do this. We do it every single day. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. Birthdays in Sports here today on April 25th, 2021. Javante Williams is turning 22 years old, a current NFL running back for the Denver Broncos, selected in the second round of the 2021 NFL Draft out of the University of North Carolina. He was a all-rookie team, according to the Pro Football Writers Association, second-team All-American and second-team All-ACC while at UNC. Javante Williams turns 22. Yeah, he uh, he should have gotten the ball more for Denver, honestly. They kind of platooned him and Melvin Gordon, and he was very, very productive in the opportunities he got. So Denver got them a good running back. Randy Cross is turning 68, a former NFL guard and center for the San Francisco 49ers, selected in the second round of the 1976 NFL Draft out of UCLA. Three-time Super Bowl champion, three-time first-team All-Pro, one-time second-team All-Pro, and is a member of the College Football Hall of Fame. Randy Cross turns 68. Antonio Cromartie is a former NFL cornerback selected 19th overall in the 2006 NFL Draft out of Florida State. One-time first-team All-Pro, four-time Pro Bowler, holds the record for the longest scoring play in NFL history after returning a missed field goal 109 yards for a touchdown in 2007. Does that sound familiar? He played for the Chargers, Jets, Cardinals, and Colts before retiring in 2016. Antonio Cromartie is turning 39 years old. And do you know what his current job is, fellas? Uh, I do not. Currently, I didn't know this either. Oh, is he a cornerback coach somewhere? Cornerback coach for the Texas A&M Aggies. There you go. That's what Antonio Cromartie is up to these days. And then finally, turning 46 years old, the big unit, Tim Duncan, a former NBA power forward and center, drafted number one overall out of Wake Forest in the 1997 NBA draft by the San Antonio Spurs. He spent his entire 19-year career with the Spurs, a five-time NBA champion, a three-time NBA Finals MVP, a two-time league MVP, a 15-time NBA All-Star, a 10-time All-NBA First Team, a three-time All-NBA Second Team, a two-time All-NBA NBA third team, an eight-time NBA All-Defensive Team first team, seven-time All-NBA Defensive second team, 1998 Rookie of the Year, 1998 NBA All-Rookie first team, 2015 NBA Teammate of the Year, member of the NBA's 75th Anniversary Team, had his number one 21 jersey retired by the San Antonio Spurs. At Wake Forest, Duncan was also extremely dominant as he was the 1997 Consensus National College Player of the Year, also was a two-time Consensus First Team All-American, a two-time ACC Player of the Year, a one-time NCAA Rebounding Leader, a three-time NABC Defensive Player of the Year award, and also has his number 21 jersey retired by Wake Forest as well. Tim Duncan turning 46. 
Is that all? Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the longest bios we've yeah. had for anybody. I mean, I know he's the big fundamental. A lot of people, wow. the big fundamental, the big, you know, I'm thinking Randy Johnson. Yeah, I was about to. I, I wasn't going to. Was That's why I conspicuously just said, hey, by the way, he's big fundamental. I wasn't trying to. <laughs> The yeah. big unit is Randy Johnson. The big unit Johnson. is Randy Johnson. There's big a big difference between yeah. uh, a little 12-foot shot in the post and a 100-mile-per-hour sidearm fastball. So, uh, But uh, Tim Duncan, one of the best power forwards of all time. Let's take a commercial break. When we come back, retired war damp Steve joins the show. Excited to chat with Steve in just a moment. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. J.J. Jackson and the guys want to hear from you. Give them a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-3401. I'm Sammy Coates, former Harvard football player and all-SEC wide receiver, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Let's keep this thing moving. Sports Call Tiger 95.9 FM coming up in just a little bit. About six or seven minutes, we'll have Eric McDade from State Farm back with us, covering the bases with Eric McDade. Real quick, Johan Camargo is who I was thinking of, and I was saying Christian Pache out of place, not Pache. Camargo was who I was thinking about on the infield. When he came in as a 16-year-old, he's looked at as the future shortstop. That never panned out. He's now with the Phillies. Uh, he was not going to be the shortstop over Dansby anyway, but uh, that's that's where my confusion came in. So, Johan Camargo is who I was thinking of. That's not, who we were trying to uh, to think of there. All of the sports call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Uh, give us a call, 334-887-341 locally or toll free at one 888 9 Joining us now, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve now joins us here on the program. Hi, Steve. Good afternoon, and how sweet it is. Yes, what a, what a big weekend it was for Auburn baseball. Yeah, I, I wish I had to come up that with my own, but I borrowed that from Jason Caldwell from Auburn Undercover. <laughs> uh, but that was a quite quite a uh, accomplishment. Hadn't been done since nineteen uh, since two two thousand nineteen, right? That's correct. First SEC sweep since then. All right. So who's on board today? I know JJ, you're there. Uh, Mr. Tom Peavy, who else? And Ryan Lavoy. Ryan LaVoy, okay, the three amigos. Good to hear you guys. All right, uh, Mr. Uh, Eric uh, Sway, is that his name? McDade. McDade, I'm sorry. He made some comments about running backs, maybe not being as resilient as... Uh, that was they, Smitty Grider. That was another guest we had, Smitty okay, Grider. Right. Yeah, I want to address that because uh, when I grew up, there were some very resilient running backs in the NFL who never went out of bounds. Uh, and In fact, they intentionally... You know, beg for somebody to try to stop them. And those people were third and fourth down. Um, it didn't matter what down it was. They they carried the ball. Jim Brown was one of them. Yeah. Another one was Mr. Gale Sayers. Sure. Another one, you didn't want to, you did not want to see this man come at you. Mr. Earl Campbell. Earl, I was going to say Houston Earl Campbell. Yep. Yes. And uh, probably even more recently, I don't recall Mr. Cadillac ever running out of bounds, did he? 
Uh, no, but I mean, Cadillac was a different type of back than those dudes. I mean, he's a much smaller back. Ronnie Brown would have been more kind of, he wasn't even that size, but I mean, I, I, I see what you're talking about. But yeah, he, he, Cadillac was more of a, he was a scat back more than he was a power running back. True. And nobody wanted to get in front of Mr. Bo Jackson. No. You're right about that. Or Eric so, Dicker, or so Eric Dicker, or Eric Dickerson. Right, correct, right. Uh, or how about William Andrews? William, yeah, William Andrews. These, these were the days that the running backs had great big shoulder pads. <laughs> yeah, well, we're going after a guy right now that may, I don't know, may fit that uh, that category. Uh, his name, let me get him up here, is Mr. Uh, Jeremiah Cobb. Yeah. Down the road in Montgomery, right? Sure. Uh, four-star running back. And uh, looks like we are maybe at the top of his uh, looking to commit to us. Apparently, he's very very much in love with uh, Coach Cadillac. He, he says, Coach Lack, I love him. He's awesome. He's one of my favorites on the staff. He treats me right. So it looks like uh, we're in good company for his um, being a commitment. And apparently, uh, some other uh, top-notch teams are going after him, Georgia included, and North Carolina and Texas. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, guys, our uh, baseball team, we need to win, what, half of the 12 remaining uh, games to be a regional host? Is that what I read? Yeah, that, that's There's no about, automatic yeah. number that you get to be in that position, but if you do win, sure. if you do win a good number of them, you're going to feel good about it. How about we win okay. more than Top half? Top 16 teams get to host a regional. Yeah, I read if you win, uh, if, if they're thinking if we win six remaining 12, we should be a regional host. If we win uh, seven, of them, then we have a good chance of making it maybe even uh, further. Yeah. Uh, in the if you're bracket. a top eight, you'd be a national seed and get a chance to, to host a Super Regional if you were to win. And really proud of the ladies uh, winning two out of three at, uh, on the road against Mississippi State. Yes, that was a lot of fun was, to be there this weekend, I, I, a big win. It, big, big series win for uh, Auburn softball after going through some series with some uh, struggles all of a sudden. team that started out really hot and then uh, kind of hit the skids there and, and seemed to be struggling. And so it was big for them to get back on the winning track and get a series victory. Right. And uh, uh, the baseball team definitely has a cut, his, his, well, has a hands full, to say the least, uh, playing at Tennessee this weekend, right? That's right. All right, and the uh, softball team ladies are playing at home against is it Arkansas uh, against Georgia. They've already played Georgia. Arkansas at Arkansas, okay. but they play uh, Georgia in a three-game series. Uh, that'll be a tough one, also, I'm sure. Really tough. Georgia's one of the top four teams in the conference. All right, guys, let's move on real quickly because I know my time is short here. Uh, several, well, a historical making event in sports occurred today in base uh, in uh, in base uh, in NBA. Uh, do you know what it was in 1950, April 25th? Shot clock? No. No. <laughs> no. According to History Channel, the first African-American uh, player was selected in the NBA draft by the Boston Celtics. His name, Chuck Cooper. Okay. He was an American forward from Duquesne University, and he was picked in the second round. Uh, so, uh, in fact, uh, he, it was not, um, uh, according to what uh, the article said, uh, it was not uh, met with a, a lot of... Uh, I guess uh, really encouraging support. Uh, in fact, uh, famously, according to this article, the owner Walter Brown of the Boston Celtics said that Cooper could be striped, plaid, or polka dot. All I know is the kid can play basketball, and we want him on Boston Celtics. 
and then reading all through the old guy, he had a rough time. Uh, probably like just uh, like uh, Jackie Robinson did. Sure. It said here when he played on the road with the Celtics uh, during that time, he had to eat and sleep in different locations than his white teammates. Yeah, that, I, that that's the times. Uh, uh, that's how the that's how things were back in those days. And I mean. It's it's unfortunately that we went through that part of history, but uh, but that's how it was back then. Last thought for us, Steve, and then we got to get to a break, and our guest is joining us. Guess who roomed with uh, this gentleman, a very famous uh, NBA player by the name of Bob Bob Cousy, yeah, who wasn't who wasn't an African American, he was white, and he said we bonded, became friends, remained so for years. So that was interesting. Also, this day in 1974, you know what happened? Tell me, football, NFL. It was the first season for regular season overtime. Oh, okay. All right. In 1974. There he goes. Okay, guys. That's all I've got for today. Thank you for your time as always. I look forward to hearing your guests uh, coming up. And until next time, have a safe afternoon and evening. And War Eagle. War Eagle. We appreciate the phone call today, Steve. That's retired War Dam Steve joining us here on the show. When we come back, we will have Covering the Bases with Eric McDade, State Farm. You're listening to Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Call has been on the air since 1995. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app, JJ Jackson inside the studio with Tom Peavy and Ryan Lavoy. Fun show so far. We're halfway done. Uh, and let's keep the fun going here on this Monday. Still to come, we've got Best and Worst of the Weekend. We've got a nightly TV guide brought to you by our friends over at Coca-Cola. But now, once again, covering the bases with Eric McDade, State Farm, my brother back inside our studio. Been a month since you've been here. And uh, boy, we're thrilled to have you back. How are you? Glad to be here, man. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, we've got a lot of things to discuss. Last time we kind of jumped all over the place, and I would imagine uh, for your takes in the sports world, we're going to go all over the place. Uh, I don't want to start here, but I know that it needs to be brought up. The last time that you were in the studio, we talked about the best rivalries in sports. It's the week leading up to the Final Four between your North Carolina Tar Heels and my Duke Blue Devils. Uh, you told me what was going to happen. I didn't want to <laughs> believe it. Um I'm not kidding. As a North Carolina resident, as someone who, a native, I should say, as someone who grew up and the day after North Carolina would beat Duke at school, you just didn't want to show your face. (laughs) And yet I was still so angsty that I was still going to wear Duke gear regardless of the result and, and throw it back in your face no matter what. I've still got those people in my life, right? So I've got a lot of people that reach out to me once those games go final, uh, regardless of the outcome. And somehow, some way, 
you were still the first guy to hit me up that <laughs> I, night. I, I don't know what – I was like, oh, my gosh, Eric got to me real quick when that game was, was over. Really, hey, look, I was trying to beat everybody, JJ. And, so. like, let's do – so, obviously, we know the result. We know that, okay, a couple nights later, Kansas uh, has the largest comeback in national championship game history, right. which is not as fun for you. So looking at Ryan Lavoie, the, the Tar Heel as well, in the mix. But what's forgotten – that was, like, the best game ever. That the, yeah. the Duke and North Carolina twenty lead changes yeah, in a Final Four game that was just unbelievable. And all the stage, the the stakes at hand. Yeah. Coach K's final game, and it was like, I mean, I I I was nervous the entire time. I couldn't breathe. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen here. It's back and forth it goes. Yeah. Definitely a classic, man. We'll we'll be talking about that game for forever, you know. Yeah, and you know, even with the fact that it was Carolina Duke, as you alluded to, JJ, it's like you take the teams away. You still have a heck of a basketball game because of all the lead changes. It comes down to the last 30 seconds or so. But when you throw in, it's the first time that that rivalry has ever happened in the NCAA tournament. It happens in the Final Four. It happens with a coach that his resume can like that game can't really ever be duplicated because the coach can't really be duplicated in that scenario either. Like when are you going to have someone that's arguably the greatest of all time, and certainly in that Mount Rushmore, be retiring after his next loss, and then the rival North Carolina. <laughs> To give that loss to him, so it's like I'm not. I'm not even trying. I'm not trying to shade, but it's just like at the same time, like the stakes were. It felt like as great as it could ever be, and for a first time, you know the way they seed teams, they're not ever going to meet them in the Sweet 16. It's going to have to be until the Final Four or the National Championship game. So if it ever does happen again, it will be on a similar stage. But even then, it's like, will there be a Hall of Fame coach retiring if they lose? Yeah. You know, so I mean, like that was a once in a lifetime. Once in a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that would have made it greater would have been if it was the National Championship game. Right. I, I would have been sick for, for the rest of eternity, probably. He I'm was a good sick. sport. He fa- he did uh, FaceTime me a little later. Okay. Let it sit for about an hour. Took and a little FaceTime. time. Yeah. That's, fine. That's cool. Yeah. I, I just it was I was heartbroken. That there was the foul trouble early in that game for, for uh, Mark Williams, our big man on the inside, and then yeah. Theo John has four fouls in the first half. Uh, neither team is really pulling off to a big lead. Now Carolina's going to bring back four of their five starters and Duke is losing six guys to the NBA. <laughs> yeah, Carolina's got a good recruiting class coming in. Yeah. So, yeah, Duke has the number back. one recruiting always, class coming uh, in. Yeah. Always yeah, well, do. We know that. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, they're not going to be as experienced as this North Carolina team. That's got to be the preseason favorites going into it next year. I, think, I would think so. Yeah, and you know that's the thing with Carolina. I saw that they're they've already used their all their scholarships now with Love coming back, and I think they got three freshmen in. Yeah. Uh, they just didn't lose a lot of players, and obviously when you have roster tr- turnover like Duke, look, you always have talent coming in and coming out. Uh, but nevertheless, there's always spots to fill. And looking at now, looking at the age of the portal, uh, something Kentucky's been doing. Uh, Kentucky had a lot of success with the portal last year. We've, we always talked about their one and dones, but Chibway and Kellen Grady coming out of the portal, Severe Wheeler. I mean, I mean, most of their product productivity came out of the portal, which is kind of rare. So there's so many ways to build great talent if you're these top programs. All right, Eric McDade's here with us. We're covering the bases, talking about all the big stories in sports with him on the program. You said, uh, look, i got to find an outlet to get all my takes out there, so we're providing this outlet for <laughs> you. And uh, with that comes a little bit of backlash from yours truly. i got to be the antagonist in this scenario. Have you been following some of the NBA playoffs? I've watched almost every game. 
For real? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm yeah. NBA is my tell, thing. Tell so. me where you're at right now. Like what 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 hot takes do you have if anything? <laughs> I mean, Who right looks right. good to you? Like if if we're picking the NBA Finals, knowing that not a single series has gone final, no team has clinched and, and advanced to the second round. Who's coming out of the East and who's coming out of the West? Warriors looking good, man. I like I like the Warriors coming out of the West. They experience. They got enough young guys. Um, I'm just not gonna bet against Steph Curry right now. Right. He's he's on one. So you feel pretty good about that I one. Feel, I feel good about the Warriors out of the West, especially with Devin Booker being hurt. Right. The Suns like and that's they, the big one. They tied with the Pelicans right now. Like they they gonna have a hard time yeah. getting out of the first round. So I like the Warriors out of the West. My preseason pick to win the, the, the whole thing was Milwaukee. Uh huh. So I'm sticking with Milwaukee coming out of the East. I, I think that'll be uh that'll be a fun finals. I, I just I like Giannis, everything he brings to the table. Um, I kind of like the Nets coming into the year, but they're about to get swept. <laughs> I thought the series would be more just based off game one alone. Game one was epic. Was yeah. epic of that series. I haven't been able to watch as much as game two and three with with some baseball and softball things I've had going on. But it, I mean, you look at the end of the game and the Celtics won. Now they're up three zero. Yeah, man, it's it's crazy to watch how you know Kevin Durant. I mean, everybody's crowning him as the best player in the world and he's he's been struggling this series yeah man. so it's it's been it's been bizarre kind of if your star players don't play well you're going to be in a tough spot in which playoffs, is which yeah. is you know we, the, i would say the most uh popular team here in our listening area uh would be the atlanta hawks and i want to tell them that if your star player trey young has <laughs> nine points in a playoff game yeah, you can't be having that. Yeah, you got to take the L. Uh, when you have a legend, a a top three point guard of all time, and Chris Paul have four points in a playoff game, you can't have that. And then there have been some of the Durant struggles. Ryan, you want to go Eastern Conference or Western Conference? Like, what's the? Well, I feel like I always go West because I talk about Golden State all the time. I'll go East. Okay, go East because that Boston Brooklyn series, it's not so. It's surprising that it's this easy for Boston mm. because I can definitely see Boston winning. They're still a two seed. Brooklyn has its problems, especially defensively. But Durant really has not had stretches of time where he can't do what he wants. Usually he's always getting to his spots, that 17 to 13 footer that he gets at the elbows and the corners. He just gets to his spot so well. But the length of Tatum and Brown has been so agitating to him that he's not gotten to create the space to get to those spots. And so he's had a lot of turnovers. Um, you know, we know Brooklyn's not a good defensive team. They made a trade a couple years ago getting, you know, trading Jarrett Allen away, which really hurt their rim protection. Drummond's a really good rebounder, but he's not a good shot blocker or rim protector. Kyrie is a great offense player and a horrific defensive player. And it's so just great. when you have good teams like Boston, you're going to go at the other team's weaknesses. And then you're going to make sure that your own weaknesses are alleviated. You find ways around that. And so Boston doesn't have really any weaknesses defensively. Mm -hmm. So that's the strong suit. But then offensively, it's like, okay, we're not as consistent in offense. If, if Tatum's not going right, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to go at Kyrie Irving. And we're going to go at their weaker defensive players, which they have a couple of. And so that series, I guess when you look at it, you, you can definitely see Boston winning it. But still, just a disappointment factor that Brooklyn's not living up to it. And then also, I want to say about 
you know, what Philly and Toronto series has been a little interesting to me because I thought – I know Toronto ultimately has forced the fifth game. Great. Denver did the same thing in Golden State. I don't think either one will amount to anything. But Philly looked has looked really good with Harden still kind of playing meh offensive basketball compared to his standards. They draw so many free throws. And I don't love to – look at it this way but with them more than any other team they have two of the most highest volume free throw shooters in the league with mb and harden when they get sets of referees they don't call it as much when they will let them play a little bit more that would be interesting to me but they for the most part have been really good in this series after after a regular season of of playing you know 15 20 games with harden and or 25 games with harden and mb together that were hit or miss at times they were really good, but down the stretch they failed to get up to the one-two seed. Um, you know, so I, I think they have overall been impressive in this series. And look, there's still with what Miami has done. I think the East is way more open. Whereas I think unless Memphis does something matchup-wise with Golden State, because Memphis has been a problem matchup-wise for Golden State. Golden State's better, but just sometimes there are matchups that you just don't deal with well. Unless Memphis can use those matchups against Golden State, it's Golden State or Phoenix, period. But in the East, anyone that advances to that second round could still get out. I I agree. I think, I mean, you could see any of those four teams, Milwaukee, Boston, uh, Miami, or Philly coming out of the East. You know, that could be that could go either way. And a lot of it's gonna depend on who's healthy, you know, and uh, but I, I, I do like Milwaukee. We, you talk about Boston, Jason Tatum's like he's becoming a superstar. He's mm-hmm. outplaying Kevin Durant. You know, that's that's that, that leap that they were looking for and they're gelling at the right time. I heard Kyrie Irving say something that at in the press conference that they just you know, he was like, We ne- we hadn't had a chance to click all year. Um, and they have, which part of that's your fault, Kyrie. But that's <laughs> neither here. Nor yeah, no, I mean, look, and, and, and people want to talk about uh, the way that, that Kyrie's been playing as of late. A lot of people want to talk about the fact that uh, he's in this fasting period, right? In Ramadan, the ninth month of the Islam calendar, Kyrie is a practicing Muslim. But that hasn't affected his play at all from what I've seen. Like, he's been just, I mean, is it all, is it really? He was excellent in game one. Game one. Yeah, yeah, 39 points. So Does I mean, it go back to KD then? Is that what it is? For you, or is it just yeah? I mean, it, more it, it, it starts and stops or, with 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 KD. Yeah, you know, he's the best player. He's supposed to be the best player on the court. You know, you you're not gonna win a lot of games when KD's. I think he's shooting 36 percent for the series. You know, he's. I mean, like you said, 13, 17 footer. Like that's that's money in the bank, right? But you know, he's not even getting shots up. I think he probably only took 10 or 11 shots last game. Like right. it just really took him out of what he does. He turned it over a lot. Um, Boston's got a really good game plan. Like you got to get them a lot of credit. They 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 really game plan real well against him. And you know, I, I just I mean, Brooklyn just don't have an, enough outside of those two guys to overcome. You know, one of them struggling. You know, it would be different when they had when they had Harden. Also, sure. You know, you could kind of depend on somebody else, but. Yeah, just two of them. I mean, if one of them struggles, I mean, they're, they're beatable. Let's talk about this. Uh, let's talk about this Ben Simmons situation oh, man, too. Oh, Listen, man, uh, because <laughs> this guy was expected to play in Game Four. Today, we're learning that after going through some work on the court, he is not going to play. In Game Four, and the season hey, could come to a close. Well, listen, I, I mean, I can't blame Ben Simmons for that one. I wasn't playing Game Four either. I mean, we down three. You don't want your first game at this to be, point. Yeah. That's not a, you don't want that to be your first game, but. I, I don't I don't know man I'm I'm kind of out on the whole Ben Simmons thing he hasn't played all year long all year it, it's and, always something with this guy man 
and not even for this team. Like I would have questioned the validity of him coming back in the middle series anyway yeah. because he's never played with these guys. And, you know, he's like, oh, they're great players. I can play with great players. I, I know Katie. I know Kyrie. It's like – but still, you've not played a single game with those guys at all this season. And also, that just inherently means he ain't going to play 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. So, he's going to help you in a 10 or 12 minute spurt, you know, Tommy, I mean, for the entirety of the game. When he doesn't shoot. Uh, when he doesn't do anything <laughs> offensively other than, you know, pass at times. I mean, I like, I just, that was always questionable from the standpoint. They honestly, the whole organization and Ben put themselves in a worse situation by trying to get him to play. He should have never, you know, I, this, it's been this popular thing in the league to have these guys that have been injured all year long this year kind of tout that they might come back. Like Zion might come back. Oh my gosh, he's dunking in warmups. Jamal Murray, will he come back from his ACL, you know, in time to play for the Nuggets? And now with Ben Simmons, is he going to get his mind right? I answered all these questions is no. No. <laughs> Next year. All right. Yeah, there's I, no upside to him playing tonight, I, I don't think. I mean. What's I, the storyline with well, this money, though? Too? I mean, this guy's, like, know. getting paid for a full season, and he didn't play. Hey, the, here's what I want to know. I, in, in the ranks of – would you call Simmons a bust? I mean, as the number one overall pick? I mean, I don't he, know. I mean, it, I mean, he's still an all-NBA talent. But, yeah, I mean, you – I wouldn't say – Yeah, it's just kind of hard to gauge. I mean, he's – I mean, he's, he hasn't been to the finals. You know, he's been an All Star a couple of times, and and this is the thing. So I, he went, he went one, and Brandon Ingram went two that year, right. and I was real high on Brandon Ingram. So. But I mean, I mean Simmons is, I mean, at, at least here over the last couple of years, I mean, he's kind of been that yeah. guy. That people, he's been he, disappointing. Yeah. I, don't yeah, but I, mean, is, I don't know if that's fair, but he's been disappointing. Right. I, it, he, he's kind of he. He's a guy that gets mocked a lot yeah. for his lack of ability to to play. I mean, he he, he just won't shoot. Right. He get he gets mocked a lot for yeah the well not shooting, but then when he does shoot, he can't make shots, and right. it's like, right. and now you got this whole thing. There were things questioned about his attitude and everything when he was coming out of LSU. Seventy six are still took the shot on him as the number one pick, and now here today we're sitting in this situation. So. But you're saying not quite yet bust. You don't want to say bust. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, like, he's done some good things on the court. Right. Like, when I think bust, I think Greg Oden or yeah, Anthony Bennett, play, yeah. you know, like, right. just falls out of the league. Michael Carter-Williams was a top five or six pick out of right. Syracuse. It's just useless. Yeah. Um, but, you know, with him, he is a great defender, and right. he can pass, and he can facilitate. His problem is he just will not shoot, and he, do, and he can't shoot. I, I remember in college when he came with LSU to play here, I was in the student section, and the chant or, or, or people were kind of yelling at him in warm-ups have fun in philly <laughs> and he just laughed and laughed well he ain't laughing now <laughs> um, and so i i think it, it depends on your definition of a bust like i said disappointment sure out of number one pick you want that guy to be a perennial all-star and lead your team lead your organization be the best player in a team so from that standpoint yeah. it's disappointing but to say bust like he's still usable if he can come back next year get the mind right get the body right and still contribute yeah but you make three a good time all-star one time all nba third team and a rookie of the year yeah. i don't know that you can go bust just yet for him yeah. but we haven't seen something like this before what were you going to say I mean, it's a good point that some of the questions they had about when, it, when he was coming out. I mean, it's coming. I mean, it, it's all it's, it's all, all, right it's all he, showing he, out now. He couldn't shoot coming out. You know, he had the attitude issues. And Last year was the Atlanta series, which I still don't know how Atlanta beat Philly in that series, ben given Simmons. how well Ben Simmons and, and beat. Yeah, it, it goes back to him a lot. And there are point-blank layups and dunks 
that all of a sudden Ben Simmons was passing mm-hmm. as opposed to it's like okay is this is this really You're in your six, head eight or nine at this point just just, just dunk. go up yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that, that image of him passing up that dunk when Trey Young was under the basket was, <laughs> that, that's gonna live forever yeah. so. you can't run Trae away Trey Young from that often one. said one of the three great defenders in the league yeah, yeah. <laughs> great, great shot blocker that's Trey Young so if uh, if Phoenix doesn't get Booker back. No, no threat from them. Yeah, I, I mean, I just can't see it without Booker, man. They really need him. I mean, that's what twenty five, twenty six points a game that you're depending on. Chris Paul, I mean, Chris Paul's all time great, but they just don't have enough without him. I, I actually think if I'm, I'm gonna say the Pelicans are gonna win that series, man. I just don't think, I just don't think the Suns can score enough uh, without Booker. So I'm, I'm going with them. Memphis got their hands full with Minnesota too. Uh, I mean, I really like Memphis. John Morant's my guy, but. Um, you know, Minnesota's got a lot of talent. So, tell me about these protests that have been happening in these <laughs> in these Minnesota games because I can't quite seem to figure out what is. And, and Anthony Edwards had the comments last night, like, "Please do this in at Memphis." Like, all of these events are happening in Minnesota at these games. So, I think so. My dad was telling me about this. Mm-hmm. So you can be mad at him if he's wrong. Okay, but he said it was it was an animal rights group. That's right. That the owner of the Timberwolves owns a big chicken farm or something like that and had to kill a bunch of chickens because they got disease. And they and he just say killed them all. And so that's why they're protesting at only the Minnesota games because of the owner being the owner of some big chicken. It's like five million chickens. Yeah, millions of chickens. Yeah. yeah. Now, Have is you it, seen uh, these protests? Well, now is this the one where the 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 young lady jumped over the bench and yeah. out onto the court and got tackled? One, that's one girl tried one to them. glue herself. Another uh, girl glued which, herself. Yeah, which is not going to work. But whatever. And <laughs> yeah. someone had Side a chain point. around their neck, <laughs> right? And then they they the to the yeah. It's over what chicken. in the All world? Chickens. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just not that I did not know. That's crazy. I am pa- actually passionate about chicken. <laughs> not in that way. I was going to say, I'm passionate about eating chicken. I'm kind of hungry for some right now. <laughs> no, still the, the girl that jumped on the court the other night, what was amazing is when going back and watching the video of the security guard sitting two chairs over, uh, yeah. staring her down, like knew that this, <laughs> this girl's about to do something. So I don't know if she. Oh, I, what are you going to accomplish by running on the court, though? That's what I just don't get. She had like a referee. Yeah, it was like a referee. Oh, is she going to be a fourth referee? There's not notice. You're going to call a foul on the Timberwolves. It was just so cool watching that security guard. And I think somebody told me even the security guard was a female. But uh, that, so that's why I'm referring to her. She was sitting there looking at her. And I don't know if she overheard the girl saying something that led her to believe she was yeah. going to jump out there. But it's like that security that was an guard. Incredible tackle. That, that security yeah. guard knew. That person was about to do that's something him. stupid hey, and was just right. ready to go. <laughs> Look at the Vi- man, Vikings yeah. might need another safety wow. yeah, in Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I just I, I didn't. Uh, I know it started in those play-in games when yep. I did not see the clip of someone trying to glue themselves to the floor, <laughs> but it, it happened. I mean, was it a I, what happened? I, I, was it, it a glue she, stick? Was it? I think she just like put. I don't know, like gorilla glue all over her hand or something. I have no idea. And, and stuck herself to the floor. And then when they when they got when they got her up, there was just like this glue. On oh the floor man! That they had to clean up. Oh. But Minnesota's won every game. That so honestly, keep doing it if you if you want the Timberwolves to win. Yeah. What is that? Is that series two 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 two? Go back to Memphis. Okay. Yeah. 
Uh, Luca's back playing for the Mavs. See, all three big... West series, ex- except for the or aside from the Golden State series, are two two. Okay. Yeah. And that one's two two as yep, well. Because Utah won a last second game. Okay. Mitchell finally threw a pass to Gobert <laughs> for a lob and uh, went up one with a few seconds. What, left. What's what's the Gobert slander these days? People just well, upset just... with the lack of offense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know he's a great he's a great rim defender, but when you get him away from the rim, he's really doesn't use his length as well as you think he could. He's big, like. big guy. Yeah. He's a huge guy. <laughs> he's a good player. I don't think he really fits in Utah. I think that Utah thing is over. If they lose this series, they got to blow that team up. I mean, that's fair. The yeah. Two best players don't get along. It's, it's not going. It's not going to work. But I don't know. We'll see. I mean, they. I think that was a big moment for them to. You know, get the game winner the way they got it the other night. So how can we how can we save my Lakers? Because LeBron's tweeting over the weekend that he can't. He's he's promising he's never going to miss the playoffs again, and um, you know he's saying expletives I can't say on radio, but this isn't fun. I'm a LeBron fan. <laughs> right, yeah, me too. Yeah, well, you know how I feel about. Well, I'm just gonna say it. LeBron's the greatest basketball player that has ever. There we go. I'm gonna just throw that out there. There we go. <laughs> we, we, we can argue about that all day, but um, <laughs> Tom, <laughs> do you believe in a difference? Strike a nerve. Do you believe there's a difference in best and greatest? Yes. Okay. Because I believe he's the best. I wouldn't say he's the greatest. I, 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 I can go. <laughs> but listen, I always say, I always say, Tom, there's no redeeming. I always say there's it's one A, it's one I'm A, it's one A, a and one yeah, B. Sure, it's one I, A and one yeah. B. Yeah. I'm an MJ guy. I that's just that's. Yeah, I, I mean, that's what I grew. Well, up the with. first Space Jam was better. I mean, we know, uh, no one, no going to debate. I kind of wish he had never done that, but MJ, MJ was my guy coming up. That you wish MJ never did he is the a Tar Space Hill. Jam. Yeah, I don't like that movie. Wow. You don't like the either That's side of space. I I'm not a space Tom. Fan. You don't like the first space town? No, I'm not a fan. Oh, I mean, wow. it, was, it, was like, it, was, it was okay, but I mean, it's better than Shazam Let's with uh, Shaq. But, I mean. <laughs> we're, we're out of time. We're out of time here in the hour. I'm going to keep Eric McDade with us a little bit longer. Let's take one quick break, and then we'll open up the third and final hour of Sports Call in just a moment. Alongside Ryan LaVoy and Tom Peavy and our buddy Eric McDade from State Farm, you're listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call on WTGZ Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. 
Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Welcome into the third and final hour of Sports Call here today on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson in the host chair uh, with Tom Peavy, Ryan LaVoy, and Eric McDade hanging out with us. We're covering the bases with Eric McDade. State Farm here had a lot of good conversation at the end of the last hour and want to keep it going. Your phone calls are welcome, 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 888 Drive with Eric.com, a State Farm agent in Opelika since 2019. What's on the, what's on your schedule this week, Eric? Like what what's busy for you this time of year? Uh, right now, man, trying to talk to a lot of people about their homeowners insurance. If you've paid attention to what's going on, uh, the market for homes right now is crazy. Yeah, you know, so um, there's a lot of you know every cost of everything is going up. So I'm trying to get a lot of people to just pay attention to their homeowners coverage. Make sure you got enough coverage in case anything happens. So anybody want to give us a call at Three three four seven five nine seven four three one. We're happy to look at your homeowner's insurance for you. See if we can help you save money and give you better coverage. Hopefully, we know this has been a topic of conversation as well. We're getting towards the end of the school year, uh, and once school years come to a close, families kind of look at the idea of possibly moving. That's right. Uh, and so, a lot of how I mean, the housing market gets a little crazy and chaotic. I would imagine that's the same for you too. It is. Yeah, this is a really, really busy month for us as people. Like you said, I mean, they're buying new homes and things of that nature so it's a really busy season for us so just encourage everybody to think about the insurance while right going on. we like to give an update on uh, everything going on locally in the high school sports scene we of course are, are proud to cover uh, the border guard hornets and the smith station panthers the hornets season in baseball unfortunately came to a close this past weekend in the playoffs smith station the same uh, with a big series against central last week got softball continuing on throughout the week and then high school soccer is always uh, proceeding forward two games left in the season uh, for your auburn high tigers and, and Eric, your son, a, a big-time player for the team. Uh, tell folks a little bit about how their season's going. It's going well, man. They uh, only lost one game all year. Sheesh. Uh, so, yeah, ranked number four in the state right now in Class 7A. Uh, two more games in the regular season. They're playing number two, Oak Mountain, on uh, on Wednesday at home. So that'll be a fun game. Hopefully people will come out and check it out, man. Two of the best teams in the state. And then we got our home playoff game next week against Enterprise. So, you know, four wins, and we get that ring. Talk, talk to me about watching your son play, right? Because there, there's something to be said for uh, this is completely different in a stretch because I'm obviously not a father of anyone out there. But uh, we, we've talked LeBron before. I could see LeBron, and I could see a certain look in his eye where it's like, oh, no, like it's about to turn up a little bit. It's about to take it to the next level. Mm. Is there any – something similar like that watching your son play like can you oh, yeah. tell when when okay this might be a good good game or maybe he needs a little talking to yeah for sure man i mean i i spend a lot of time I and mean, i spend every day with him so yeah. you can kind of tell when he needs you've that seen many talk. of his but, games yeah. yeah i don't i don't have to i don't have to tell him too much anymore man he he, he turns up by himself you know? <laughs> he, he know he knows what needs to be done he's really competitive right you know? and so uh he played really well last week they they, they had a game against dothan last week and uh, Dalton's another really good team that's in our uh, in seven A, and uh, they won one zero. Okay, and then he had he had the goal that you know, look at that, that won it. So um, he had, he just wanted to go into the game and prove himself. So you don't have to tell him too much, man. He, <laughs> he, you know he knows he gonna hear about it if he don't play well. So you know, better go out there and focus. All right, so in the summer we play city league softball mm-hmm. here in town. 
or the Thunder Chickens. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're always in the recruiting process. Okay. And I'm not looking for a commitment here, but Tom and Ryan, I'm basically by the end of uh, – but by the end of the spring here, when, when the season starts up, I'm trying to recruit Eric McDade to join our team. These guys have to have similar conversations with me before the game gets started because I'm our pitcher. Oh, yeah. And, and, and Tom, Ryan, what are those conversations typically like before a game gets going with me? Yeah, well, J.J., I know you're going to give up about six hits in a row, but <laughs> at the end of that sixth hit, just just keep keep throwing them strikes. <laughs> one of them will accidentally get to hit one, one of us, and we'll probably put it away, or we might not. Um, but either way, just just keep throwing strikes. Walks are, walk, walks are bad. Yeah, walks are not good. We can't do anything about that. Let them hit, hit their way 300 feet into the air on instead of walk so walks are awful like yeah. absolutely terrible the defense gets disinterested and yeah. and, <laughs> and i had too many of them last year you did have them when i when <laughs> your, we, your walks and homer category when, shockingly high for when we for had good games <laughs> when we had good games i wasn't walking batters when we didn't play well I was walking them. JJ, you walking people in slow pitch? Uh, yeah, maybe there's something there. Maybe there's something there. I was like, I'll pitch. I mean, I I can get hit just as hard as you, but at least it'll always be <laughs> yeah. straight. We, we also have to remember not to send. Well, we don't have Javon Cutler anymore. Yeah. But we got to remember not to send anybody to go retrieve a uh, softball home run ball from the. What a uh, day that was. So, we had Javon Cutler. Uh, we sent to go get a home run ball, and he stepped in a large mud puddle and <laughs> lost his shoe, and it basically ate his shoe. He never found that shoe. Nope. To this day, yeah. several one, people looked down, to, down, down, yeah, down, down there. To this day, one of Javon Cutler's shoes is underground somewhere <laughs> over here outside the fence of one of these <laughs> these softball fields. Like the ground literally ate his shoe, and we never could find it. Twelve game season. What do you think our record was? Six and six, man. Y'all like a 500 crew. All right. Actually, let me give you more stats on the team. We had, for the first game of the season, three former NFL players on our team. And Corey Grant, Trevon Reed, and Sammy Coates. Okay, y'all Okay. Uh, Corey only got to play the first week, and then life got busy for him. Trevon was there for about half the season. Sammy was there for about a quarter of the year before he actually had a shoulder injury (laughs) and couldn't play the rest of the year. I've given you that information. It was a roster, the only roster in the history of the City of Auburn Softball League that had three NFL players. What do you think our record was? You want to stick with six and six? That's probably safe. Uh, That's not right. It was way worse than that. That's embarrassing, guys. (laughs) What if I told told you that we were 1-11? That's horrible. (laughs) What if I told you that one win was a forfeit? What if I told you that (laughs) We're not kidding. We lost every single game. That's horrible. There are some dudes that are driving around town that listen to our show. Before we would play games, we would be having a show until 6 and then go down the hill and play. And people from the other team would call into the program, have a little friend trash talking that sort of thing there are teams that have been playing together for like 10 years and just have mash the ball and everything, like they, yeah. they and it's yeah. like i don't know how we're supposed to get people. i thought hey maybe having nfl players would be okay but uh yeah it didn't make a difference yeah i, I can't help you guys <laughs> see, that, see that's the thing it's like we're, i can't make you guys worse though i might yeah. that's true <laughs> there is no way we could be worse yeah. 
But see, like we played against, so we had some former NFL talent out there for the times that we had them. But then we were also playing against teams that had former Auburn baseball players, and so it's like, okay, well, it's kind of a different deal. I mean, yeah, yeah. And it, Sammy Coates was a, a an All State baseball player in high school. Um, you know, Trevon. Trevon's Trevon great, got better. Listen, Trevon, <laughs> Trevon, 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 listen Trevon's a, Trevon is a great athlete when it comes to football and basketball. Uh, the, his baseball softball skills maybe leave something to desire. He's still a great athlete, well, yeah. but, you know, it, it's diff- he's a different. When we got him on base, he was moving. When he's on base, he was moving. Uh, and then the rest of us, it was just, oh, man, you just hope that we made plays. Now, I, Ryan's great out in the outfield, and we had another dude that was really good in the outfield. Van. 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 Man, that, that he had an arm. I did. I could feel. I made a couple of diving catches. Almost tore a ligament in the process. Um, but he had an arm. I could not throw. And I, there was a couple times where if we were near each other and there was a base runner on, I flipped it to him for him. To um, throw. Yeah, softball's yeah, harder than it looks. It is. I mean, I've, I've it is. It. It's, it's, it's harder. Than Let's it take a phone call. Three three four eight eight seven thirty four zero one or toll free at one triple eight nine tiger nine. Joining us now, Tony from Tuskegee. Tony has called into the program. What's going on, Tony? How y'all doing? Good. How are you? All right. I I just got a question. Uh, That transfer for the um, who do who do y'all think it benefits the most? A team just where a player can go play. Ask that question one more time, Tony. We heard we heard you ask who does it benefit the most. But what were the two uh, options you uh, gave us? A uh, winning team, or uh, just uh, you know, a player himself where he can go play. But you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the situation at at Alabama before um, the guy from Louisville transferred. Terrell, the wide receiver. Yeah, they said it was over with with college football. You know, with that with the addition of this player, you already got um. Was the, the other receiver from Georgia, and you got mm-hmm. uh, the, the running back, back Jameer from Gibbs from Georgia Tech. Tech. Yep. But this guy right here runs a full two. Which uh, I mean, I don't mean just put your program sold on Alabama, but when with JoJo Early, anybody else in the slot, this other guy they face compared to Waddle has the same uh, speed as Waddle. And this guy him running a four two, and that this the other guys Alabama guy. How do you defend? How do you defensively defend a team like that? Outfits like that. All right, we got a couple of questions there from Tony. What you want to say, Eric? I think the transfer report. I, I think it kind of goes both ways. I think it benefits the kids. Um, I mean, it's kind of crazy how how many. Um, people are in the portal but I think it benefits the kids it gives them options if you're not playing at one school or you think there's a better situation somewhere else you know the kids should be able to move and, and find the situation that's good for them they're only going to get to play college sports for a few years so put yourself in the best position to be successful I, on the other hand I think it really you, you look at winning teams like in Alabama you know they can add talent without them having to sit out a year yeah I mean it really you can really if you're, if you're not a good team, you can rebuild your team really quickly. But, yeah, you look at Alabama, they can really go in there and add a Jermaine Burton, a Harrell, a Jameer Gibbs, to, I mean, to make up for the talent that they're losing. So I, I think it helps the good teams kind of stay good, you know. How do you defend Alabama, the last question he had there? 
it's going to be tough to defend them, man, especially when you got, I mean, Heisman Trophy quarterback back there calling the shots. You know, it's going to be hard to defend them. You just got to, I mean, Alabama's going to be Alabama, but, I mean, they're not they're not unstoppable. You know, we, we've said the same thing about Alabama for the last 12, 15 years, I guess. But, I mean, they had unstoppable offense last year, and they still didn't get the job done. So, Yeah. I got, I got one other thing. And um, this guy, Trey Sanders, running believe back. it or not, the running back, I'm looking for him to be in New York in, in December. I've seen Heisman odds released, and and obviously Bryce Young is right there at the top. C.J. Stroud is the Heisman favorite mm. right now. Here we are in, in, going into May 2022. I've seen Heisman odds for Jameer Gibbs, uh, but yeah, it does kind of feel like a lot of people might have the assumption that the Georgia Tech running back is going to take over uh, that spot from Trey Sanders. Here's the bottom line. Alabama's got options always. Trey Sanders has been there. Uh, I think both guys have a have a really good shot of having a productive year. Well, when you catch Nick Saban bragging on a particular player, it's something about this player. This is probably, I think, the number one running back coming out this year. And he had an injury, then he was in the uh, car wreck. But uh, this guy was a five-star IMG. But he just never, you know, Never got luck at you know to stay on the field for a whole year, but they say he's a hundred percent healthy now. Yeah, no, I'm I uh, I think Alabama's got a lot of talented skilled players, and uh, any one of them could go off and win the Heisman. We saw Devontae Smith do it at that wide receiver position, uh, so we know their offense is capable of accomplishing great things. Yeah. Well, anyway, good I to hear from you, Tony. Thank you. All right. That's our buddy Tony from Tuskegee joining us there on the Auburn Bank phone line. They are so loaded. I mean, my word. that, that they are. That this they, is not news. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's been that way just about every year. And it's still, I, you know, I'd, honestly, because we're not in football mode yet, I had forgotten about the fact that Jermaine Burton wins a national championship with the University of Georgia and says, you know what? Uh, why, why defend this title? I'd like when to I beat Auburn play. in a different capacity this time. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> they, they are, they are really, really talented. Yeah, I mean that's that's no surprise though. I mean, it's, it's Alabama. Yeah, you know? Tom, this is kind of what Nick Saban was hinting at though, right? And, and Dabo Sweeney as well. We've talked about this over the past few weeks about sort of the concerns of the transfer portal is because it's like, yeah, this is great, but do remember that this rule also applies to us. And sure. I am very much so paraphrasing for Nick Saban. He didn't go that braggadocious in the way he brought this up. But it's like, yeah, if you put a new rule in place, the best schools are going to find a way to make it an advantage for them too. Yep. And sure. that's exactly what you're seeing take place. Yeah, I mean, that's what he's, he's, he's saying. You know, this transfer portal is not going to hurt us, meaning Alabama, not going to hurt us in any way. It's going to benefit us because we're a top program. Yeah, yeah we're gonna we're gonna lose we're gonna lose some guys to the transfer portal, but we're also gonna be bringing in top guys because obviously, it, you know, I mean, you're seeing top athletes at top schools leaving those top schools to go to Alabama. You're also seeing guys like at Louisville who, yeah, probably not gonna. I say probably you're not gonna win a national championship at Louisville, and if you are a star player at Louisville, you have the chance to move somewhere else. So where are you gonna go? Why not go to Alabama if they offer it? And it's the same thing with the NIL stuff. Uh, you know, the NIL is just going to benefit those bigger schools. It's gonna benefit the other schools as well, but 
you know, the bigger schools are going to be able to offer more opportunities in in the uh, NIL. They're going to be able to offer more playing opportunity for these star players in the portal. So, yeah, I mean, Nick Saban was right. It, yeah, it's not going to hurt them in any sort of way whatsoever. In fact, it could benefit them, make them even stronger. And you look at you look at what they could potentially be putting on the field next year, and the transfer portal may have made them stronger. But it also goes across other sports. And you you look at uh you look at basketball right now. I mean, Auburn is benefiting from from transfer portal stuff. Um, you know, granted, uh, like uh, Treor. Uh, was not necessarily a transfer portal, but it was a guy that had been committed to LSU. Um, I guess that goes on a different tangent, but uh, but you look at the guys that Auburn brought in last year off the transfer portal that were big-time players. I mean, Walker Kessler is a one-and-done who transferred from UNC. Uh, all these other guys that transferred here. So that benefits Auburn uh, in that as well. So, yeah, the – the the benefit uh it's more of a benefit for those top teams than it is a, a negative where it's a negative is the small programs that uh you know they have one superstar they're already struggling to be uh a championship caliber team they get one big time superstar player on their team and then he's gone immediately for for greener pastures so it's it's you know it's very detrimental to the smaller guys we will see uh, how football comes to be for these teams now that spring season is coming to a close. And now that we've entered this portion, a lot of people are kind of looking at the calendar. It seems as though we'll see more transfer portal spots now that we're in the summer portion of the calendar before you get into the fall camps and that sort of thing. And teams are definitely going to uh, look to make adjustments to their roster I keep trying to reference the story that you first brought up on the program, Ryan, uh, and yet every time I do, I don't do it as well because you remember the details much better than I do. But some of those um, non-Power 5 student-athletes that are looking for that next spot, there was a UAB linebacker, I believe, in particular. They're finding out it can be uh, quite negative. Tell people what we're talking about here. Yeah, no, uh, that particular story, to reference that, was a linebacker that went into the portal – uh, he thought, oh, yeah, you know, he, he was an established player at UAB, had like 100 tackles one year, all-conference USA, second team, and then got in the portal, immediately got some bites from like Louisville and a couple other schools, you know, middle to lower power five, and, so, and went on a visit and said, I'm just going to let the visits flow in. I'm just going to see who all calls. Well, a week goes by, and Louisville gets Momo Sanogo uh, from Ole Miss, and the other school, I think it was like Kansas State or Arizona State, filled their position. And somebody else asked him, why didn't you just take the Louisville offer after you visited there? And so all of a sudden now no Power 5 schools had slots for him. And so now the only calls he's getting is from like ULM and Arkansas State schools like that that are actually below UAB. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, he all of a sudden he was getting – next to nothing because people looked at him like oh there must be something wrong because louisville didn't end up taking him after he visited there (laughs) and and the he didn't go there and all that so it's almost like the same dynamic for him and his situation of somebody falling on draft day this guy's supposed to go in the top 10 all of a sudden it's pick 17 and what's going on is there a late medical report is there uh, a character issue here that no one really knew about 
and all of a sudden he just like looks like damaged goods and no one wants to touch the guy and so i saw something actually today along these lines um that i, I i'm i'm gonna misquote the stat but it was essentially it was around 60 percent of the scholarships that go out of the portal get filled or, or in other words of the of the players that leave the portal or, or get into the portal, only 60% leave the portal with a scholarship, if that makes sense. So, in other words, 40% of the guys that get in the portal don't have, that are on scholarship don't get that scholarship back. They don't find a scholarship elsewhere. They're not able to come back to their school with the scholarship. And, and that's pretty stunning. I mean, that, that's almost half. And it goes to show you that there's some guys that just – have to show some patience i guess because i mean i mean it's every single school all these positions all these situations and the grass ain't always greener it's not and and there's plenty of success stories and there will always be success stories but the failures here need to be mentioned too because kids are going to make bad decisions because they say well 1500 guys got in the portal i need to be one of them i ain't that happy i'm not happy enough to stay here it's not about that you know there's lessons to be learned from pushing through and i'm not trying to be some old school guy that thinks you know just no one should ever transfer and you should be penalized if you do but there's situations that some kids need to fight through because they're not always going to be able just to transfer on to the next thing and have it be as good of a thing as what they was. Sometimes you lose track that you have a pretty good thing going. Anything you want to add, Eric? Yeah, I mean, I think you hit it on the head, man. It's 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 made it way too easy for the kids to to transfer. Uh, I mean, I I do agree that they they need to have options, but you know, there is no thought of well, the, you don't have to sit out a year now, so it just makes it much easier for you to. Just say, hey, I'm just gonna try, try, try my luck somewhere else, and I, you know, you kind of have to wonder what that's teaching kids. You know, at at that age, you know, if if something's working, just you know, go yeah. to the next thing. I mean, listen, if you're not playing at Alabama, then I heard Nick Saban say this. He was like, we we nobody's left Alabama and went on somewhere and just become some great player, <laughs> right? I mean, if you can't play here, then maybe you just can't play. You know, so but there, there's something to be said about sticking it out, man. But I don't know. I, I mean, sixty percent. It hurts kind of because it's one. Alabama, but that's so true. Yeah. You know, it's like. So I mean, the was the best the, one to leave yeah. Talia? Yeah. I, guess. I mean, Talia I don't know. Level, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and he's still he's just decent. I mean, he's not like he's. And you'd still record. rather have Bryce Young as your quarterback. Oh, yeah. It's not like you're sitting there saying, "Man, we, we wish Talia was here." Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, speaking of which, we're talking about the transfer portal stuff. Some news from over the weekend: uh, Auburn had Brandley Huntley Hatfield in the mix. Tennessee transfer on the basketball floor. He ends up committing to Louisville. He will not be an Auburn Tiger. Uh, Jamal Johnson played for Auburn uh, for a couple of seasons. A three-point shooter out of the Birmingham area. Was high school teammates with Austin Wiley. Had started his college career at Memphis. Transferred to Auburn. Transferred to UAB. And this weekend he announced his final year of eligibility granted by COVID-19. He's going to spend at Chattanooga. So he's got got one year left and he will play for his fourth different basketball team there. I want to end our time with Eric McDade talking about this a little bit. I mentioned 
Division spring football. Most of the games came to a close this past weekend. Just a handful of SEC games and then several Pac-12 spring games, including Oregon, where the headlines of OregonLive.com, James Crapia, who covered the Auburn Tigers for so many years, saying Bo Nix outperformed his fellow quarterbacks during Oregon's spring game. The Auburn transfer went 8 of 15 for 230 yards with three touchdowns and an interception compared to five-star freshman uh, Ty Thompson, who had been taking some first-team reps. Ty Thompson went 168 yards with a touchdown and two interceptions. So Bo Nix threw for more yards, more touchdowns, and fewer interceptions in uh, what's going to be a quarterback battle. I'm sure that people are talking about going into the offseason, but I I know that I I knew Bo Nix would succeed at Oregon, and I know that he's going to have a standout year. Were you surprised by by that headline? No, not at all. I think think Bo Nix is going to be really solid at Oregon. Fresh start for him, um, going to a conference where they don't play as much defense. Uh, I think he's going to be really successful. This is this is the year. <laughs> That's all some Oregon accounts running with uh, with the, this the is the horse. year. Tw- yeah. Some say he's focused. Yeah. Having, fun. Having, fun. Having fun. I'm telling you. What did you think of uh, the the stats that came out with, with Bo? Well, Nix, yeah, right? eight completions for two thirty. Is he just chucking all deep balls? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, because I mean, you were nitpicking. It's like, well, eight of fifteen is not like special, but two hundred thirty yards. It's free game's pretty good, uh, and especially if Thompson's throwing a couple picks. And I had seen that they were splitting first team reps. I mentioned that a week or so ago. So. You know, I mean, again, that's a glorified practice. It's one snapshot of what's been going on in the spring. It's the most public form, so that's what we have to go off of. But if Thompson goes out and beats Bo in four out of five practices and that's just the one that he didn't, then we're all going to just assume that it's over and done with now. But, you know, I think Bo would definitely have the inside track just being a more experienced player, given that Thompson is a true freshman, given that their first opponent is a team that Bo Nix has seen three times in his college career, playing Georgia from the get-go. Uh, so you'd, you'd think Bo would get the, the first first shot at it there. Um, but, you know, every coach makes different decisions. If Thompson just looks special, we've seen some. We've seen more and more over the last decade or so of guys that have been freshmen and been unfazed and played really good football from the get-go of their career. So uh, it's, it's, it's a tough race when you got a five-star coming in because, look, at, by the same admission, I, I say you think you just go with the experienced guy and Thompson's a freshman and all that. Well, these freshmen transfer on you. Because yeah. Quinn Ewers, Quinn Ewers arrived at Ohio State early, early. and then did, only gave them one year and saw C.J. Stroud was really good and said, nope, I'm out, going to Texas. So I, I say you let the experienced guy, but, I mean, you can't, you can't lose a five-star that you might have three or four years just because somebody is getting a job just because he's – played it to like I like the reason I just gave. So really I gave poor reason. You just gotta go with the, the best guy because in the age of the portal and everything, you're always recruiting your own players as much as you're recruiting high school guys and that sort of thing. Do you think it's gonna be Bo Nix? I would I would still stake the claim that yes it will be Bo. But definitely be Bo Nix, yeah. But uh, like who knows how long the leash is, who knows how you know Bo plays well, obviously there doesn't need to be a leash, he'll be the guy all year, but uh, again, you have to make, you have to pick the right one because a quarterback, especially, you can split reps with running backs and wide receivers. You can get this running back fifteen carries, this one ten, this one five. You can you can get all these other guys in games for for a few snaps at a time. 
Well, you can't play two quarterbacks very often, and especially not if your number one guy can run a little bit because then you don't – you have a thrower and a runner, but, I mean, yeah, it's hard to play two quarterbacks. This could not be more perfect timing here as I'm seeing a tweet from On3Sports that just came across. Alabama transfer tight end Caden Clark announced on social media Monday that he'll transfer to Ohio. The Bobcats. From the Alabama Not the Tide. Ohio State, just to Ohio. The Ohio Bobcats. The former four-star prospect makes the second tight end to transfer out of Alabama this offseason following Jaleel Billingsley. Where did Billingsley did end up? Did he go to Texas? Do we know? Texas sounds familiar. I know at least one Bama guy went to Texas, if not two, because of that Texas, coaching Texas, you're exactly staff. right. Texas. You're exactly right. Um Ryan and Tom, this was your first time hanging and covering the bases no. with Eric. Did we do okay covering the bases with Eric McDay State Farm I today? Think we, we covered a lot. We of bases. covered a lot of bases. <laughs> yeah, the bases. Yeah, we did. We covered more bases than we did with the Thunder Chickens. No. <laughs> <laughs> he brought it back full circle. That one hurt. That one hurt. We got to see you here again in a couple of weeks. We're not going to make it as long, but before your next visit back, okay? Uh, yeah, we'll be back soon. All right, sure. Eric. Tell us one more time. Drivewitheric.com. Give us the uh, give us the, the sales pitch, yeah. so to speak, for Eric McDade State Farm. Drivewitheric.com. Hey, my work speaks for itself. Y'all call me, 334-759-7431. You want an auto home quote. Be happy to do that for you. We, we're looking out for you. We're covering the bases on your insurance, too. So Heck, yeah. That's what we like to hear. All right. We'll, uh, we'll come back and wrap up our show here in just a moment. Again, thanks to Eric for being with us on the program today. Back in a moment, you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM and the Tiger Communications app. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Bases are covered, as some would say. Bases are certainly covered. Uh, just had Eric McDade State Farm in the studio with us. Really enjoyed our time with him and uh, appreciate him being with us. Also, the proud sponsor of our Sports Call Player of the Week. We announced the Player of the Week on Tuesdays, and we're going to do that again tomorrow. Because yeah. tomorrow's Tuesday, so we'll let you know the newest Player of the Week presented by Eric McDade our, State uh, Farm tomorrow. Our, our picks for Player of the Week seem to kind of be a little all over the place, so I'll be curious to see who yeah. that ends up being. It is It is. Uh, it is going to be a special surprise. You, you're kind of the tiebreaker, aren't you? Uh, it seems that sometimes I feel like I'm in that position. <laughs> uh, I don't mean for it to be that way, uh, but it does seem like that happens but, from time to time. Like How many people vote? How, how many people do we have vote for? Jeez, at this point consistently uh you and i that's two ryan ryan brooks, brooks grant and cam bill's not voting any? yeah bill still votes i thought bill hasn't voted the past couple of weeks oh i thought he was yeah 
Bill's our six and a half vote. Well, so let's just say six. If all six have something different, then we go with JJ's pick. Correct. Yeah. See. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. JJ Jackson and <laughs> the guys. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's what we always that's, joke. That's what Zeus says. Yeah, that is what Zeus says. <laughs> Zeus what he says, says goes. If Zeus says it, it's true. All right, let's do this. Now, time for the best Woo-hoo! and worst. No! 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 Of the weekend. Best and worst of the weekend here today on Monday, April 25th. You got a best of the weekend, Tom? Uh, man, there are a lot of bests, but uh, one thing that I really enjoyed seeing, and it actually could be a worst because because Angel Hernandez is just absolutely one of the worst, if not the worst, umpire in Major League Baseball. I don't know how the dude still has a job. <laughs> uh, so I was finally, I was happy to see that uh, somebody finally lost their, their, somebody's head finally exploded on him. And that was uh, Kyle Schwarber. Right. Uh, Hernandez had been missing the strike zone all game long for both teams, and I think that's one thing that Schwarber was telling him in a very heated way. But finally somebody just snapped on Angel Hernandez, and it's about time that that happened. Uh, People have snapped on him before, but, I mean, this was – I mean, Kyle Schwarber just laid in to Angel Hernandez, and so – it's a best. I hate to see that as a best, but man, I was so happy to see that Kyle Schwarber just finally had enough of Angel Hernandez crap. They slammed his bat down. Yeah, and, he was very upset. I mean, just lit into him. But you can see him. He pointed at the Brewers dugout as well. I think you're saying you're screwing them. You're screwing us. Your your strike zones inside. Your strike zones outside. Your strike zones high. Your strike zones low. You know. Basically, you are just a terrible person to be doing this job. So, hooray Kyle Schwarber for laying into Angel Hernandez. He let him have it big time. He uh, absolutely let him have it. It's his best of the weekend. Yep. Uh, My best is going to be the Talladega race. Uh, Getting to go that, pretty obvious for me. Um, Like I said, had a blast. Those cars are loud, man, but I was able to do without the earplugs or anything um, sitting down there in the in the lower section. It's close, though. If any, any more, a few more decibels would not be able to do it, but it's surprising how, you know, you hear how loud the, the whole pack is, but even one car is super loud, too, but really had a lot of fun. First ever NASCAR race. I uh, can't wait to go back to another one, and yeah, it was super fun time. For as much as I love the sport, never been to one. So it's a little different than loving a hometown team. You can always expect to be in this city a certain amount of times a year to watch your favorite team play. But in NASCAR, you got to go all over the place. And if there's not near one, one a track near you, then uh, you don't, you're kind of out of luck. Or even so, I mean, you only have once or twice a year to try and go and see it. Best and worst of the weekend here. Man, our social media team is just on top of this. I, I mentioned my uh, my best, and uh, yeah, it's already up here on social media. If you uh, follow Auburn Sports Call, you will see Angel Hernandez uh, making a terrible call and Kyle Schwarber giving him the what for. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Brant Daughtry's on top of it today, that's for sure. Uh, best of the weekend for me, I had a whole lot of fun watching uh, the Auburn softball team 
take down uh, Mississippi State in that three-game series. So much fun uh, being able to call those games in a big series when Auburn needed it where they were at. Worst of the weekend also has been posted online uh, for myself from Sports Call Auburn at Sports Call AU on Twitter. Uh, there was a video that started to go viral on the internet over the weekend of an alligator absolutely knocking someone out cold as uh, the police were brought in to help, help transport an alligator off a property, put into a truck, and, and reared his head back up and knocked him out so cold. It's crazy. I've never seen as clean of a knockout before. You, well, I'm uh, blown away by this video. And uh, now there's a Gators Daily Twitter account that I'm obsessed with. Well, you you want to see that alligator against Tyson Fury? <laughs> you mean, saw this video. Yeah, no, I did. And, well, and well, uh, underrated part of it after he flips his head up and knocks the guy out, his tail whacks somebody else. Yeah. Didn't knock knock the other person over. So got two, one with each, you know, side of the body basically. Tom, check the video out and tell me what you think of it. Oh, I'll have to look it up in. I'll look it up in a second. I, I was. You're preparing for your worst. Well, I, I my worst is already there. My my worst is in my head. My worst has been like on my mind since I woke up this morning. All right. Well, I wanted you to react to the video that I put out there for the worst of the weekend. So that where, our staff put out where, where Sports is Call AU. Oh, okay. Well, Sports Call AU. I was I was busy looking at uh, Angel Hernandez being a <laughs> yeah. terrible human did being. Did you tell? Did you say the 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 rate? In which he missed calls last night. I, I I I did not. Um, Ryan can do that while you look at the video. It's, it's eighty five point six percent. How bad? How correct. bad was the pitch against Segura though? That that earlier in the game uh-huh. there was a ball that was inside to Segura. And it was like the worst yeah. missed it, of the year. It was six point six inches off. I think they said. But yeah, he had he had oh, the worst uh, ball strike correction percent. He was only correct eighty five percent of the time. Oh. And you just saw the, the the tail at the end, but it's the very start of the clip, Tom. It's a 10 second clip, right and there. the guy in the corner gets knocked out cold. Yeah. I mean, just by the head, the alligator's head. Yep. Wow. Wow. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, that dude's sunglasses got sent into the stratosphere. <laughs> I get it. Was I not it. going quietly. I hate it. That's no. a, that's a worst of the weekend that for is, me. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. that dude. Hmm. Let's have you guys share some worst of the weekend. Uh, so my my worst of the weekend, I told you, has been on my head. I've mentioned it to you guys, uh, and I think some of this is well, I, I some of this is my fault because I did not apparently pay very much attention. Uh, I back last week, is he last week or two weeks ago? I bought tickets on the glass on on ice on the ice on the glass for uh, Columbus River Dragons uh, playoff game. And uh, for me and my girlfriend to go, and we're going tomorrow. So when I was purchasing the tickets, the Tuesday game was listed as just as a game. It was just there. Wednesday was listed as an if needed. And so I chose to buy the Tuesday ticket because I didn't want to fool with an if needed game in case it did not go that far. That way I knew I was assured of a ticket on Tuesday. However, what I did not look at is the fact that that was only a best of three series. So Tuesday was an if needed game. Well, Columbus swept. They won it on Friday. So now there is no game Tuesday. 
so I don't get to go see hockey tomorrow. <laughs> but now I'm stuck right now with two tickets valued about right at $70 through Ticketmaster that I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to get a refund for. I can't. They are not for resale. I've already tried that avenue, and they say they, isn't, they are not for resale. Uh, Twitter is dragging their feet on sending me a notification of the fact that well, let me clarify. These tickets will be good for game one on Friday. I can't go to Columbus River Dragons on Friday. So I have got to try to figure out now what I'm going to do about this. And if I'm going to get a refund, I'm hoping I'm not going to have to eat $70. But, you know, I don't know. Uh, so I'm kind of sad. I'm, I'm sad the fact that I don't get to go to a hockey game tomorrow and sit on the glass and enjoy that. But I'm also sad that i'm sitting there staring at 70 dollars down the drain if i'm not able to get a refund for it and it it really stinks because i planned it out like i said looked at the ticket on tuesday it didn't say anything about if needed wednesday if needed so i was like no i'm gonna go with tuesday but then i was also uh negligent in looking at the fact that all columbus had to do was win the three games and then that was it so that's a worst yeah, hopefully we can get that resolved for you. I, because I need that's, that to that's get brutal. resolved. That's brutal. That's yeah. brutal. Ryan, what do you have? Uh, we actually hit on it a little bit earlier when we were talking to Eric McDade. Uh, and I, it's not like a complete jab session, but uh, worse of the weekend is just the effort and the intensity and the ability of the Brooklyn Nets um, and the NBA because they, they built this team with a win-now uh, mindset and I know that Harden wanted to be traded, blah blah blah. But they still have uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and this whole Ben Simmons thing, a guy that has not played at all this year and has just—I I mean, I don't know—fallen off a cliff in terms of desire to play and that sort of thing. Uh, and for the Nets to come out there and get beat worse in Brooklyn than they were beat in Boston. they I mean, they blew a big lead in game two and had a lead in the closing seconds of game one. They almost won both games in Boston. To come out flat like that and, and be losing really the whole game and, and, and look to be on the verge of being swept, for a team that's in a win-now mindset, I mean, you know, they – they not much better than the Lakers, you know. I mean, the Lakers missed a play in, which is embarrassing and all in itself. But Brooklyn on the verge of, of having that team not even win a single playoff game. Uh, I, I think they're just worse to the weekend for their inability to come through in a win now in a win now team. Three three four eight eight seven thirty four zero one or toll free at one triple eight nine tiger nine. If you ever want to share your best and worst of the weekend with us, moving forward, that's how you can do that. All right, our show is coming to a close here today. So with that being said, let's deliver to you a nightly TV guide. Here we go. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. The Sports Call nightly TV guide brought to you by our friends over at Coca Cola. Come up a little bit later tonight on television you've got the nba playoffs brooklyn and boston ryan lavoy just mentioned those brooklyn nets will they give better effort tonight i think they're one two three cancun (laughs) that remains to be seen officially starting here in 10 minutes six o'clock on tnt you've got the born identity tonight at six o'clock on hbosg 
How about this? Rocky 2, 6 o'clock on Momax. Rocky 3 at 8 o'clock on Momax. That's Movie Max, the television for all you DirecTV people out there. And then also later tonight, another playoff game on TNT, 8.30 Central Time. The Utah Jazz, the Dallas Mavericks. Who will win that pivotal Game 5? The series tied at 2. The game set to be played tonight in Dallas. A really big Game 5 of that series coming up a little bit later this evening. That is a look at your nightly TV guide brought to you by our good friends over at Coca-Cola. Awesome stuff. Good show today. Ryan, I appreciate you being here, man. We got a lot accomplished. Always. Yeah, we uh, we covered the bases. And we, we did everything, man. <laughs> I set you guys up well with the covering the bases topic uh, with, with Eric McDade. And, and you guys were, I mean, we really did cover a lot of bases. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, as expected, the one, the only, Tom Peavy throws yours truly under the bus by saying, uh, like the Thunder Chickens, with the amount of bases that were covered. Yep. So, or lack thereof. Lack thereof. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't. He was showing the team in general for not hitting. But if we want to throw you under for allowing the other team to cover the bases pretty constantly, then you can go that route. <laughs> Either way, I'm sure it floats your boat. <laughs> oh, that's going to do it for our show. It's bringing it to a close here. Thank you guys for being here. Had a lot of fun. And thank you again to uh, Smitty Grider and Eric McDade for stopping by to join our show. Thanks to everyone that tuned in and called in to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. For Ryan LaVoy and Tom Peavy, my name is JJ Jackson saying thank you and good day.